Welcome back, Ryan. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Tis the season to be jolly and watch a lot of sports. Yeah, eat cookies, uh, social distance, of course. Uh, of course, it's going to be a strange holiday season for all of us, just like Thanksgiving was. But uh, I tell you what, when we do these uh, holiday-type uh, schedules that we have for Thanksgiving and, and Christmas, and of course, you know, it'll happen next summer as well when we get like to July 4th and Memorial Day and stuff. But tell you what, man, we got a lot to cover in today's show. Big, big show. Big interview. Lots to recap. Lots to preview. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, let's let's dive right into it because this show is going to be massive, guys. We're going to try to keep this under two hours, but we we don't know if we can. It's going to be huge. <laughs> Absolutely no promises, but we're going to do our best while giving our best analysis and, and not trying to rush it. <laughs> yeah, so let's dive right into college because to tell you the truth, Ryan, we don't even need to recap the games that we previewed for that massive conference championship game and tell them why everything worked out as as you would expected the the blue bloods won the games there wasn't anything that was overly shocking i think maybe the only thing that was potentially shocking to people was how badly clemson beat notre dame um but everything else i i thought it was kind of business as normal northwestern gave ohio state a good game but everybody that you kind of thought would win won yeah and clemson it is amazing and look, we don't, we're not going to recap the Jets-Rams game because everyone else has done that, right? But we understand what that win actually, ironically enough, meant for the Jets. I, you know, Nick's basketball season starts tonight. Uh, I tell you what, guys, it's going to be a roller coaster because our best player, Julius Randle, last year, I mean, when you say that out loud, it's ludicrous. He averaged 17 points per game, and he's our best player, and we got Obi Toppin coming off the bench as a seventh man right now. Uh, as the chart looks, but I, I digress. I digress. Essentially, what I'm saying is, it it doesn't matter what happened in Clemson Notre Dame like we thought it did, because we thought it was a playoff quarterfinal and an elimination game. Guess what? It wasn't. It's insane to me that we come year after year after year to the College Football Playoff Committee. And look, I I think in the seven years that they've been doing this, there's only been one non-controversial year. You know, I mean, you had a couple of years ago, remember Alabama missed the playoffs over Ohio State. That was controversial because Alabama's the, the golden child, right? They're supposed to be in it every single year. We talked about it on the show before, and we have interviews upcoming where we've talked about it as well with guests that obviously we can't talk about yet. But it's like conference championships don't matter, either the game or just winning the conference. I mean, you look at it. Clemson won. Duh. Ohio State, yes. Alabama, yes. Texas A&M didn't win their conference. Notre Dame didn't win their conference. But Texas A&M has been sitting at five for, what, four, five, six weeks in a row now, and they somehow don't get to just do the logical thing of sliding up. Notre Dame falls on the big stage, and it's, it's almost like what happened because, remember, we talked about this theory a couple episodes ago where we didn't think the committee would want to put Notre Dame back in whoever comes out of that game or, or Clemson, because they don't want to have the matchup of Clemson and Notre Dame again. So what, what did they do? They just dropped them one spot and that way Alabama is playing Notre Dame instead of Clemson. It's just ridiculous. It makes no sense. And to tell you the truth, I prefer the playoff system over the B BCS. I think we can agree on that. I think you're in the same in that as well. But it, the system feels rigged. 
it feels like it's about the big brands and the big blue programs. And it's not about guys like Texas A&M who are big programs, but they're not blue bloods. It's just, it's let's put the best four programs who have the top dollar name value in there. Notre Dame's a big school. Let's take them over Texas A&M. We can sell possibly more tickets, even with limited attendance in Dallas where they're playing the Rose Bowl, by the way, versus Texas A&M. I don't get it. It frustrates me. It, to tell you the truth, it irritates me to the living daylights out of me because I watch college football every Saturday, just like you, but they tell us every game matters. And then they have stuff like that. Texas A&M is the one that should have been in, deserves to be in. And if what it feels like, it feels like Penn State all over again from a couple of years. Well, I want to go back to your one quote that I find very funny and, and very ironic, which is Notre Dame falls on the big stage. What else is new? Notre Dame's won one big game, and that was against Clemson earlier this year whenever they had their backup quarterback. So it's, it's, not, it's not as if this is a shock that Notre Dame struggles in bowl games or struggles in national title games. I mean, you remember the year that they played Alabama, and that was the, uh, the Manti Teo controversial year. Um, Eddie Lacy and, had three touchdowns in the first half, first quarter, not first half, first quarter. It was right. one nothing. And, and people, and maybe even I included, I, I don't remember what my, you know, eight year younger mind thought about that game, but you look at that game, you're like, oh, maybe Notre Dame has a chance. Notre Dame has not really proven anything to us in the last 20 years on a big stage. Am I supposed to believe that they're going to beat Alabama? Am I supposed to believe that they're going to be able to guard Devontae Smith and stop Najee Harris and control Mac Jones? I, I just don't see that happening. The The other thing I think of, too, is if I, I think looking back on it, I, I'm starting to loosely understand why Notre Dame was put in the playoff. It doesn't mean I agree with it. Um, mostly because of playing in the championship game and then only the the loss to Clemson there. But if Clemson would have lost that game and you put Clemson in there and then let's say Notre Dame and Clemson play each other again and Notre Dame wins the national championship, that's terrible for the brand to have Notre Dame beat the same team potentially three year, three times in the same year. I I can't I can't justify that at all. But this this should absolutely be there's there's two different ways to look at the playoff. It's either unquestionably the four best teams. It doesn't matter what conference. And if you want to say conference championships don't matter, fine, roll with that. But if that's the case, then pick the four best teams. And if the four best teams are all in the SEC, so be it. I know that's maybe even more controversial, but I think a year's where two SEC teams made it. I know technically two ACC teams made it this year, but there have been years, the year that Tua Tagovailoa came in for Jalen Hurts in the in the championship game, and they played Georgia. They were the two best teams in college football. They're both from the SEC. No question about that. Or you make it where conference championships do matter, and you expand the playoff. I, I think that's about all you can do at this point to make it make sense. Because the way that it's done now, Texas A&M should have been in that spot, in my opinion. And here we are talking about them on the outside looking in. It makes no sense. It really doesn't. You look at the last time Notre Dame was in the playoff, Clemson smoked them 30-3. to I don't I, – it, it frustrates me because I, I tell people all the time when they ask me about comedy, because I love stand-up comedy. Comedy is subjective. It's what you find funny, I might not you know what I mean 
that's what the playoff committee feels like. It feels like it's subjective to their views alone and it's not anyone else's opinion. I feel like what they need to do is they need to reformat the tool, maybe not like get rid of the committee, but maybe do uh, more people on the committee or maybe do ESPN guys like Herb Street or David Pollitt, you know what I mean? Like guys from Fox, whatever, like guys who actually watch the game, not like owners and excuse me, not owners, like not athletic directors and chancellors and presidents of schools, because most of the time when you look at inside the playoff committee room, the guy might be, I don't know, from a perfect example is Jeff Long, the first playoff uh, chairman. He was Arkansas's AD. Now he's now at Kansas. But SEC had two teams in the playoff two of his years. You know what I mean? Like they had three, I think, in total. Like it's it it almost seems like, hey, we're we're working for the conference, maybe not our school, but we're working for the conference. I just it, it frustrates me. It makes no sense. Texas A&M, while yes, Florida did drop in the final rankings and they did lose their last two games, all because of a shoe throw. <laughs> like. Texas A&M should have just, it should have been logical. They should have moved up that that's what should have happened. And I, you know what I hear last thing I'll say about it, because as you can tell it, it does frustrate me. Iowa. Do you remember the year Iowa went to the big 10 title game against Michigan state? Yep. I would love to know in a crazy world, what would have happened if Iowa would have won that year, the conference championship, would they have got in? Because I don't think so. It's like they don't care about conference championships. It, 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 it really just feels like, hey, let's put the four best teams. In. Like, I could make a case for Oklahoma right now over Texas A&M. You well, know? you want to talk about other teams that don't perform on a big stage. The team that's 0-4 in the playoff in the four years that they've been in it. So Oklahoma and Notre Dame are, are riding the same boat right now. Well, and even too, if you look at the playoff rankings, and, and this is the last thing I'll say about it, but if you look at what was done under the top four, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense either, how, how they shuffled that all around and how poor Cincinnati has just been given the, the, the black sheep mentality of, of everything. And it's just, it, it's not right. That's not how it should be. I don't understand who, I don't understand what is influencing these decisions, but how do you, how do you objectively look at a team, Cincinnati, again, I know competition's less. Same with Coastal Carolina. And they're, they just, everything else matters except the, the group of five schools. Yeah, there, there needs to be something going forward. Maybe not even expand the playoff, but there needs to be something done because it feels like let's put in the blue bud programs over everyone. Before we move on to our NFL recap, <clears throat> look, all the big bowl games are mostly next weekend, which is, makes sense. And a lot of the bowl games were canceled, obviously, due to like maybe the area that it's being played in for COVID restrictions, practice, whatever. Uh, but one game that does come up on Saturday, fantastic game, low-key, sneaky good, uh, Liberty Coastal Carolina. Uh, Liberty, Willis quarterback for Liberty, 20 touchdowns on the season, four picks, but Coastal Carolina's quarterback, uh, <clears throat> McCall, 23 touchdowns, two picks. I'm excited. Oh, I, I love these types of games because bowl seasons where you get to see these types of matchups. And if I'm not, was, was Coastal Carolina, they were supposed to play Liberty earlier this season and it got canceled. Correct. So this is a, this is an opportunity to kind of make that up and see it. 
Uh, again, I love these games because you don't always get to see these games during the regular season. Uh, I might even be tuning in on Christmas, honestly, to watch Jarrett Patterson and Buffalo play against Marshall. But Coastal Carolina is is definitely – Coastal Carolina and Liberty, I don't want to leave them out, uh, is definitely the game to watch before we uh, come out with the next episode for sure. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a fun matchup. I, I hope it's like a, like a 35-32 type, you know, game, like where they're just going back and forth. Well, if you um, watch the Coastal BYU game, you might be in for a similar <laughs> – you might be in for a similar game here. Please no Bill Roth. Um, NFL recap, you had the doubleheader on Saturday. The first game, not so good, but we're going to talk about it because not only did we talk about it on our show last week previewing, but, hey, Buffalo, they're going to host a playoff game, and that's exciting. There, there's also talk right now that I read today where the NFL is working with the, uh, the city of Buffalo and working on com- trying to figure out some sort of safe way to have 25%, maybe 35% capacity, no tailgating, uh, you know, sorry, Bills Mafia, but have Bills fans to be able to experience that because that's a big deal. It's their first division title in 25 years. Uh, <clears throat> it, it's almost like it, it was meant to be Josh Allen, 359 yards I mean he he has clearly taken the next step and that Buffalo team is legitimate Buffalo is an AFC contender they really are led by Josh Allen and and led by that offense and in the video of them coming home with with everyone standing outside of the airport you can tell that that city lives and dies by their Bills team and that is that is the type of fan base you have to respect so much is made about Bill's Mafia, but you can see it and it shines through. It's easy to be a fan of a team that wins constantly. I've said this for years. It's easy to be a Steelers fan sometimes because you're like, oh, you know, they just finish eight and eight, even in their worst years. But teams like the Browns and the Bills, those fans are dedicated because they've watched through a lot of bad seasons the last 20 years. And for them, especially the Bills in, in this specific scenario to have this going for them, you have to love it for the fans. You have to love it for the organization. And please figure out a way to get fans into that stadium because there are fans that deserve to see that game live and in person when I think Buffalo wins a playoff game. Yeah, I know people do not like my take from uh, the couple episodes ago where I said Buffalo could make the Super Bowl and beat Kansas City. Are you in the uh, mindset as well that you, you, you know that Kansas City is just clearly going to make it? Kansas City's good, but every game they've played in the last six or seven weeks has been one score. Now, I know that they've won every single one of those games, but have they not all been one score? They're, they can be beat. It's only been done once this season, and Patrick Mahomes is 20 and whatever, one in his last whatever many starts. Buffalo can do it. Buffalo has proven the last few weeks that they can do it. And, and some of it lies on Josh Allen, because I think when, when I look at a matchup like this, you kind of throw out a little bit of the defensive prowess of it, and you look at maybe a quarterback matchup. I think Josh Allen can go toe-to-toe for Pat, with Patrick Mahomes. So I would be very interested to see this matchup in the, in the AFC championship game if it came to that. Yeah, I, I, and let's sticking with championship contenders. The other game on Saturday night, Carolina 16, Green Bay 24. It, 
Ryan, if you didn't watch all the game, the calls at the end of the game were, I'm never one to say, hey, like the fix is in. I, I'm, I'm not that guy. Okay. I'm never that guy. But what I do find questionable were there some penalties that were called um, both ways, really, uh, on Carolina and, and uh, Green Bay. And Matt Rule did not manage the clock well for that last two or three minutes um, in, in Lambeau this past Saturday night. I, I really do think, though, Teddy Bridgewater is a franchise QB, and here's why I say that. To, to lose the way he did in Lambeau, in, in a close loss like that, <clears throat> going forward, it's going to really shape them next year. They're going to have a whole off season. You know what I mean? There's not going to be things cut like mini camps or, you know, shortened training camps or limited contact because of COVID because next year it's still going to be around, but they're going to understand how to deal with it better. I, I do think green Bay is the best team in the NFC. Yeah, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if there's a better team than them, you know, just just looking through the NFC teams. But, you know, I know that Packers fans were a little disappointed in, in how that turned out and they wish that it was a it, a win's a win, but, you know, maybe a better win. And then you mentioned some of the calls. Sure. But the Packers, I again, I think are still the best team in the NFC. Aaron Rodgers is always going to give you a chance to win it. It still blows my mind that he's only played in one Super Bowl. As, as good as he is and the plays that he can make, the way that he runs that team, it seems like a crime that in his, you know, 13 years or so as a starter that he has not played in more than one Super Bowl. But that could very well change this year. Uh, you know, certainly you have to win ugly to be able to survive in the NFL. And, and the Packers won a more ugly game than most, but they're still rolling. And, and it looks like the NFC might go through Lambeau. Yeah, and on the back half of our um, NFL preview for this coming weekend, and, and it's a massive one, great, great action of NFL this upcoming weekend, but that game Sunday night against Tennessee, I can't wait to talk about, about that game here on the other half because it could be one of the best games of the year. It, it, oh, it truly can. No doubt. Um, moving along, moving into Sunday, we – I thought I was crazy when I said it out loud that I think this could be Cam's last year in the NFL and that he might retire. But man, he did not look good again. He did not look good. And I, you know, I, I do have to ask you this before I give you my thoughts on the game. Do you think it's injury with Cam or do you think it's just the fact that his early years in Carolina, he was so reckless in taking so many beatings that it's finally caught up to him. And it's not so much injury. It's just, it's almost like the Andrew Luck factor, right? You, you take so many beatings, you, you don't really have too much more to give. It's a little bit of that because the narrative of a running back or a running quarterback, I should say, they, they will stop doing that a little bit more. Now, the other side of that though, is, is that Cam Newton is probably, you know, if you want to categorize the, the quarterbacks that run more often, Cam Newton's probably the best passer of many of those all time. I mean, if you're talking like Michael Vick, Randall Cunningham, uh, Lamar Jackson, the, the better of the running type quarterbacks, Cam's probably the best passer. But it it looks like injuries finally caught caught up with him a little bit. The other thing I would say about this too is, is the Patriots signed Cam Newton late. 
So basically what the Patriots are doing is, is they're seeing this and someone internally, whether it be Bill Belichick or whoever is really at the end of the day, making these decisions says, we don't necessarily have confidence in Jared Stidham or whoever else we have on our roster. So we're going to sign Cam Newton. So maybe Cam doesn't have all the time to learn the offense. You know, you talked about the shortened off season and the shortened OTAs and training camp. Maybe he doesn't have that, that same amount of time. Maybe it gets better with the year, but you got to imagine that as long as Bill Belichick's the coach there, he would, he would rather have a quarterback that fits more into his prototype like a Tom Brady type, who's more of a, more of a drop back passer. I still think Cam deserves a job in the NFL somewhere because I think he has enough knowledge to play even as a backup role. I, I just don't see it being in new England and unless they feel that he is going to be the answer moving forward. But I think they would rather have a new player in there to, to kind of start fresh uh, rather than Cam Newton. Yeah. And it's crazy that they're going to miss the playoffs. This Insane. Game there there will never it, it's it's like san antonio and i'm a huge nba guy i love nba um you know at the time of this recording we we got nba on uh that that's tipping off right now but it'll never happen again and that's what i feel like about san antonio no one no franchise and maybe i'm wrong i would love to be proven wrong and have see a team have success like that again but San Antonio made the playoffs like 20 some years in a row. Mm -hmm. uh, then they missed it. And it was like <clears throat> earth shattering that they missed it. That's what it feels like with new England. And it feels like everyone's piling on, especially in Boston media that I've been reading this morning, because I find the story interesting how the Boston media is piling on bill and the Patriots team. Look, Bill Belichick's the best coach that there, there's ever been in the league. And maybe some someday someone will be better than him. It's 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 very hard to do, be as good as he is. But it's not his fault. Half his defense before the season quit opted out due to COVID. Uh, you just mentioned it. Cam signed late, you know, with like two weeks before the season. There were so many things going against them, but everyone, including myself, including you, we look at him and it's like, it's the Patriots. They'll figure it out. They'll get over it. They'll make the playoffs, maybe even make, you know, an AFC championship game. I mean, the streak that they had, and I don't know if you remember this, but the streak that they had where they made the AFC championship game from 2010 to, I think it was until last year, actually, 2020, um, they made it from 2010 to 2019 every single year. I mean, those are kind of things you will never see again. It's incredible. And it, it just so happens Tom Brady's having like an up and down season in Tampa. And that's why everyone is piling on Bill. But he's still the best coach there is. It's, it's funny that earlier this season, we, we kind of looked at it from, and we've talked about this saying that, oh, is it going to be Bill more successful with the Patriots or is Tom Brady going to be more successful? Tom Brady loses his first game. You're like, oh, well, he needs Bill Belichick. And then the Patriots start to fall down a little bit. And you're like, oh, well, maybe it is Tom Brady. But then Tom Brady has like three bad games in a row. And you say, oh, well, it's definitely, but stop teetering. Maybe they just needed each other to be successful. And that's what made that dynasty last for 20 years. The only year they didn't make the playoffs in that stretch, basically, was when Tom Brady was hurt with an ACL injury. It's it probably will never happen again. And you know what? That's okay. This, this Patriots team is not a Bill Belichick problem. It's not a Cam Newton problem. It's not a Josh McDaniels problem. I, I personally agree with you. I think some of it's an opt-out problem. They had more opt-outs than the other team in the league. 
and that really depletes your team when you don't have that. But stop piling on the Patriots. As long as Bill Belichick's there, he's still going to run that ship, and and they'll they'll turn it around somehow. Yeah, I hope when we get in, you know, to our later years, you know, like our, you know, as we when we get older and we can look back at like our our twenties, you know, me and you, and, and look at some of the teams that we grew up with. You know what I mean? I hope we get a last dance documentary on teams like the Patriots, teams like the Yankees from the two early two thousands, because those are those are things you'll never ever see again. And it, it's truly remarkable. But moving along, Seattle-Washington, what a fascinating game that was watching that. I mean, Washington's been around since, what, the 30s or the 20s. They've, uh, they showed a stat during the broadcast. Uh, they have only come back from 17 points down once, once, just a single time in their franchise history uh, in the fourth quarter. And it was in 1990, uh, a December game. I forget who they were playing, but, the, you know, they showed the stat and, and they ended up winning the game. They almost did it on Sunday. But, hey, you got Jamarcus Russell 2.0 back there. I don't know what that guy is doing. I do not know what kind of defense he's reading. But, you know, here's a story that I found so funny today. And I, I can't <laughs> – Ryan Leaf came out and, and was talking to – I believe it was NFL.com or maybe Pro Football Talk – said that he sees a lot of himself in Dwayne Haskins. That's not good. That's not good. That's not good considering the news you're hearing out of Washington right now. If you're reading the reports and seeing local Washington news, Dwayne Haskins apparently went to a strip club the other night after a loss during a pandemic, which is, you know, that's the first part, right? But after a loss and celebrating and was seen uh, taking photos with people without masks and was, you know, there till two or three in the morning. I, the, I think it's his last year in the league. I think he's one of those rookie, those quarterbacks who's a young quarterback who's on a short leash to begin with. And, like, you can't do stuff like that. Like, I have been calling him Jamarcus Russell 2.0 the, the past weekend because watching the game, man, that guy does not know how to read a defense. And when he throws the ball, it's not just sailing over defenders' head, like, you know, uh, receivers' heads, excuse me, like Jamarcus Russell used to do. It feels like Kyle Bowler-type-esque like going like 45 yards past like wide receivers. Like I, I don't know. Seattle kind of got away with a victory, but that Washington defense is still very good. And I still think, I still think they're going to win the last two games, especially playing Philadelphia as their final game of the season and host a playoff game. But man, they, they got to find something if, if they want to survive in the playoffs. Uh, like, I hope hopefully Alex Smith can get healthy again, you know, and, and he was just on a, you know, a one week, you know, shelf type of injury. But I mean, Dwayne is not the answer. And I, I think they're going to cut him by the end of the year. So it's funny earlier Dwayne. this season. Um, the, the thing about it is, is earlier this season, we, we kind of gasped at the notion that Dwayne Haskins is pulled and benched. You just drafted this guy last year. What do you mean? You don't want to develop him. Well, then he comes out and then they, he's basically admitting to, well, yeah, he's not, you know, doing any fit like the Jamarcus Russell story. Exactly. The Jamarcus Russell story of him <laughs> saying you watch blitz packages and they're like, there was nothing on that tape. So we, we know you're lying to us. So, but then a, a joke that I make often, you know, with, within my social circles is, you know, if something, you know, odd happens and then somebody starts talking, you always look at him and go, read the room, read the room, pay attention. Hey, Dwayne Haskins, read the room. Are you serious? 
you got to be kidding me here. You've already been benched. You've already been basically called out and said that you're, you don't want to be here. And you come back out and say, well, I do want to be here. I do want to play in this league. Fine. Prove it. Comes back out, is a starter, loses a game, a crucial game, one that could have really separated them in the, in the NFC East race, which is a scary good race right now, which really could have separated them in that race. And then goes out during a global pandemic with immunocompromised staff, including his head coach, who is a cancer survivor as recently as uh, this year and is seen not wearing a mask in a strip club celebrating a loss. What am I supposed to find good in that? There's absolutely nothing good in that at all. I, I I don't understand how anyone can look at this and say, yeah, there's some redeeming qualities in, in some of that. No, it's absolutely abysmal. I was actually, again, and I think I said this the last episode, I was on the Dwayne Haskins train based off what he did at Ohio State. I thought maybe he could come in and have a successful NFL career. But at some point, your attitude has to change with it too. And I, I hope for his sake that he's able to turn it around because I, I don't want to see another player you know, weeded out of the league for behavioral issues. I hope he can come and make at least a successful career as a backup, but the first steps in the process are, are certainly not going well. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I mean, that's, that's the understatement of the century. I mean, the, it's, it's like, he doesn't care. It, it, it is truly like he doesn't care. And I, you know, I don't know if a team will give him a second chance. Like I, I'm one of those guys that, you know, when Michael Vick came back into the league, it was a super hot topic. And, you know, I was like, Hey, he, he's done his time. Like, you know, you can see like in the way he interviews now, like he's changed and like, let's give him a second chance. You know, the way Plaxico came back in the league, like Plaxico got not as long of a stint, obviously, but you could see it. Like, you know, those were different circumstances, but like when Jamarcus Russell, the way he acted his first stint, no second chance, Ryan Leaf, no second chance. Like those are the kind of like things that pop in my mind when I watch Dwayne Haskins, because the guy is not going to get a second chance. And the only way he does get a second chance in the NFL, I believe is if when the XFL comes back two years from now in 2022, he plays out of this world and, and, and he gets, you know, a starting job. Cause that's how PJ Walker got into the league in Carolina this year. You know what I mean? And, and like those things happen and, and, you know, that's how Greg Ward who played in the AAF, that's how he got into Philly. Like those kind of things happen. And, you know, you find diamonds in the rough in those, you know, other leagues and the XFL has actually put together a really good product, but you know, that's not for another two years. So what's he going to do if he doesn't get a second chance next off season? Is, is he just going to party all, all, all summer? I don't know. Sounds like he's got a plan. Yeah. Um, the 405 slot sandwiched in with all the chaos that was the witching hour, uh, especially with Houston fumbling in the end zone uh, against Indianapolis. That game was incri- that that game was by far the best game of the day. I don't know if you saw any of that, but uh, just real quick, Deshaun Watson, he's on, un- he's unreal. Uh, but Philadelphia, Arizona sandwiched in with all that. Jalen Hurts is the guy. He is the guy. Ooh. Reports, reports are coming out of Philadelphia. I'm loving it. I've been listening to Philly Sports Talk Radio. We're all piling on Wentz because there's a story that came out. Ian Rappaport reported it. So did Mike Floria. You know, it just went through all the all the cycle. Wentz is apparently unhappy with being the backup in Philadelphia and says going forward he will not be a backup, uh, that he is uncertain about his future. Let me tell you who's uncertain about your future. 
the other 31 NFL teams because no one wants to take that contract. Like, I'm sure he's a very nice guy, but it's just, it's a huge cap hit to any team that takes that. And no one wants to take a contract like his, like his, okay, with all the problems that he's had the last two, three seasons. Uh, Jalen Hurst is the guy, he's a rookie, but it, it, it doesn't feel like he's a running quarterback. It feels like he's a quarterback who can run. It feels like he's making the throws. Like he, it, it feels like he's making the right reads. Um, you know, and, and for a rookie, that's good. I, I, I don't, uh, I don't expect us to get in the playoffs. It's crazy that the tie still matters with two weeks left, but you know, that's the NFC East. And it, it was, it was an okay game. They had a chance to win at the end, but uh, watching that game the whole time, I just thought, man, with, going forward in next year, Hertz and, and Sanders are going to be a dynamic duo. The Carson Wentz situation to go back to that, just for a second, I saw a very funny tweet um, in the last, it might've been the last day. It might've been the last couple of days, but it was about, it was about the report. Uh, I'm not happy being a backup. Somebody quote tweeted it and said, play better. <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's two words. It's simple, but it's true. If you're not happy being a backup at where you're at, you're not happy being second string, you're not happy getting paid whatever you're getting paid in your job, whatever it is, do better. It's not a hard concept. You know, you you were replaced for a guy who was not even really supposed to see the field. I, I don't know if any Philly fans really expected Jalen Hurts to be the starting quarterback this year at any point. It was more of a dynamic playmaker type, but – here is Carson Wentz, a guy that's two two years, three years removed from what was an MVP caliber season, and everyone's like, "Yeah, take a hike." And and you're right. Who's going to take on that contract? He's going to have to compromise somewhere. But the the thing is, is I always find that funny when people are like, "I don't want to be a backup." Well, play better. I don't want to be coming off the bench. Well, you know, hit better, shoot better, do those things, act like you want it. But Jalen Hurts. Certainly better than I thought he would be. I, I actually pegged him more, um, maybe not of an NFL prospect, just based on the performance that I saw at Alabama. Uh, his Oklahoma year was certainly better under Lincoln Riley with a more dynamic offense. Uh, the, the Nick Saban offenses of, of past years are a little bit more monotonous and focused around the running game. So I, I thought maybe that Jalen Hurts would show more coming into the NFL completely proved me wrong. I think Jalen Hurts might be the guy in Philly. I think you might be looking at your next quarterback. I know we said that about Carson Wentz a few years ago. Hopefully that's not the same scenario, but Jalen Hurts has definitely impressed me in the, uh, in the short time that he's been in there. I didn't want to overreact after one game. And now that I've gotten a little bit more of a sample size, we'll, we'll certainly still need more, but Hurts has really uh, became the guy for Philly. And I, I think you might agree with that. Yeah, I'm never the guy to overreact after one game because I'll never forget Sam Darnold uh, beat Detroit his rookie year first game on Monday Night Football doubleheader, 45 to 17, and everyone was like, "The Jets found their guy." Uh, no, they didn't. Like you know, so you got to give those things time to develop. You know, and, and <laughs> you know, if, if Jalen Hurts is a bad quarterback, I I will love to look back, at, you know, a year or two from now, now when we're doing this and say. Yeah, my crystal ball wasn't very good on that one. Um, but so far, he, he does look the part. And, and, you know, that that's all you want out of a rookie quarterback, you know, going into uh, an offseason in a second year. Uh, 
Kansas City, New Orleans. Wow, man. I tell you what, what a shock it was on Sunday morning to wake up um, and turn on NFL Network and find out at a quarter after nine in the morning, Drew Brees had been cleared to play that game. Uh, that was a huge piece of breaking news, and it really changed things. I, I, I don't think they're the best team in the NFC. Like I said, I think that's Green Bay. But they're, they are clearly number two, I think. I think that's starting to really uh, play out in the NFC playoff picture. I love what they're doing, though, with Taysom Hill. And, and you know, they've been doing it like that for a couple years now with him. But Drew played pretty pretty well, actually, for coming back. Um, you know, he, he got them within a three-point loss to Kansas City, a Kansas City team that just tied a franchise record for wins in a season. So – Everyone is praising Kansas City when I think we should look at the other side of this and say, hey, guys, New Orleans, while losses are tough in the NFL, that's actually kind of a morale booster going into the the crunch time here with these last two weeks because they look for real. And they actually look like they can get over that Achilles heel that seems like it's always been in that Sean Payton, Drew Brees uh, type of, uh, you know, time down in New Orleans and getting a win on the road in the playoffs. Well, the the Chiefs, and we mentioned this earlier, have have played six or straight seven one-score games now. They're still the Chiefs. There's no debate about that. That's still Patrick Mahomes and Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, um, Jones and Matthew and the other great players of the defense. But at some point, can we talk about the fact that they have not pulled away from a team in the better part of two months now? This is not the Chiefs that are just steamrolling people. Now, when when we look at the next game, we'll, we'll talk about teams that people thought could beat the Chiefs. <laughs> That's very funny at this point. But the Chiefs are beatable. They have not been beat yet, but they are beatable. And you have to figure that when you get into the playoffs, it's going to be one of two things. It's either going to be what we saw last year where these teams come out and start hot against the Chiefs, and then Patrick Mahomes says, oh, now it's time to play. Or they're going to run into a team that is not going to falter like that, and they're going to knock them off, and people are going to be surprised. I still think Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in the league, but we are continually proved week in and week out that teams can play with Kansas City. Now, that doesn't always, again, line up directly when you look at the playoff picture, but I think Kansas City can be beat. I don't think they're some invincible team. Now they very well could go into win the Super Bowl, but they they have proved that they are not a not a completely invincible team. Yeah. And um before we wrap up NFL recap here, just real quick, uh give me a sliver, a slice, if you will, about your thoughts of Pittsburgh, uh, Cincinnati last night. I didn't watch any of the game because I thought, hey, man, Cincinnati's going to get smoked. It's Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh's on a three-game losing streak. It's clear that the Achilles heel of them not running the ball is way worse than what we originally thought. There were Steelers fans three weeks ago that said we could beat Kansas City by 10 or 17 points. Yeah. I haven't heard from them in three weeks. I hope they're doing all right. But – I mean, the only word I can think to describe it is, wow. Wow. You have one game to come out and and win to wrap up your division title against a division rival. You come out, and and again, I understand it's a division game, but you got to come out and play better than that. You have to act like you want it. Big Ben missed some throws. 
The offensive line looked absolutely abysmal, getting blown off the ball, shook out everywhere. And then people want to blame the defense, but when the defense is on the field the whole time, look, right now it's a mess. We have to figure out how to run the ball. Um, yeah, running is definitely a problem, but last, last night was our, probably our best running game in about five weeks, if you can believe that, with 84 yards from one back. So shocking that Benny Snell is, is considered the best performance there, but it is a free fall right now, heading into the last two weeks with Cleveland on the heels for the division. So Pittsburgh either is going to figure this out now, or it is going to be a completely lost season with a first round exit in the playoffs. Yeah, and Pittsburgh has a huge game as well this Sunday, and I, you know, we'll talk talk about that as well in the back half. But um, let me tell you what: if they lose this game on Sunday, that we'll talk about in a couple moments here, uh, I have a feeling NBC or the NFL is going to flex that Cleveland Pittsburgh game to Sunday night because it'll be the first time in who knows how long where uh, essentially the division uh, is up for play in Cleveland. So. That was NFL recap, but Ryan, we're still we're still trucking along here. Like I said, we got a big show. It's buy or sell. It's our it's oh, our Tuesday, it. but special Wednesday edition of buy or sell that we we do every Tuesday episode. Uh, a new segment we debuted last week. You bring three sports stories. I bring three entertainment. You know what? I'll take the lead this week. Um, the first story I got is look. I, I I know you're not a Star Wars guy, Ryan. I know it. Okay. You're not a movie guy. And Ryan's one of my good friends. And, you know, every time we're talking off air, it's like Ryan surprises me with a new fun fact about a movie he hasn't seen, but the book of Boba Fett Mandalorian, the most successful show out there right now, arguably other than succession on HBO max and, and maybe Westworld on HBO as well. Um, ended this past weekend and there's still stories coming about out about that and the spoilers and stuff like that because it is so successful uh early reports show that 22 million people watched the season finale on friday and saturday night pretty impressive for you know a, a streaming service that's only been in play for one year but they're going to do a spin-off of book of boba fett um basically the mandalorian before the mandalorian in layman's terms it's going to be a mini series by I think I saw 22 million people on my social media accounts that watched the Mandalorian finale because everybody's in on it. And for that reason, um, I'm buying it because again, this falls into that category of if you attach the star Wars name to it, it's going to sell. Now I, I understand uh, from my other fans, you included uh, my friend, Michael Quinlan, who has basically walked me through how everything lines up too. Uh, but more or less, if you attach the Star Wars name to it, it's going to absolutely sell to the people. And for that reason, I'm buying it because I think people are going to continue to be in on it. And if it flops, they'll find a new way to make money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they will. I mean, I have the Boba Fett tattoo right here. So, of course, I'm buying it, okay? It's permanent ink in me, okay? Of course, I'm buying it. Um, I, I'm a big Star Wars guy. I, I, I love this. Uh, whether they keep it as the miniseries format or they do a season out of it. I, I think if you go into seasons, you're, you're really starting to stretch the story um, of, of a character that really until this past year, when he debuted a couple of weeks ago in, in the uh, season two, everyone thought since 1983 that the character had been dead. So 
you know, you, you really don't want to take the stories too much and stretch them, but I'm definitely buying it. Um, I'm very interested to see what happens going forward. Ryan, what's your first buy or sell story? Well, I want to ask you a question first. So I have two different sports here. Do you want to start with one of my two basketball ones or do you want to knock the football in out first? Let's do the football. All right, let's knock the football in out first. So it's coming up on playoff time for the NFL. We've seen a lot of action. We obviously preview the biggest games every week. There's a dark horse team, though, that I want to talk about. Are you buying or selling the Cleveland Browns as a potential participant in the AFC title game? Mm, that's a great question. I think I will sell that, and here's why. I think their weakness lies in their secondary. I think their weakness lies in their linebackers and secondary. If you watch that game against Baltimore, which was the best game that we've had this year in the NFL – Lamar played exceptional, but it's also in part that he was really to able get into the second level on Cleveland's defense and really take them into depths that they were pretty uncomfortable with, obviously. I mean, they lost the game, but for Cleveland getting into shootouts like that, I think maybe benefits them on the offensive side of the ball, but not on the defensive side of the ball because their offense, while the offense is stacked and everyone knows those names, I think I can name one Brown on the defense side of the ball and it's miles Garrett. You know what I mean? Like the, the defensive line is still solid in Cleveland, but I, I have to sell that because I think if anything, they might make it to divisional weekend, which would still be a huge win. I just, I, I think I have to sell that. So I'm actually going to sell that as well. And the, the biggest thing that I say with sell is, is this is more about matchups than it is anything. So if the playoffs ended today, the Browns would be the five seed playing the Titans in the first round of the playoffs. So basically I think they can beat the Titans because well, they have beaten the Titans and that game really wasn't as close as the score indicated. Tennessee came back in the second half. Now obviously put together a good performance, but do I think Cleveland can beat Kansas city or Buffalo? And the answer to that is unfortunately no. Now the thing that, uh, maybe the Steeler listeners of this won't like me as a Steeler fan is I actually love Cleveland and I love Cleveland for the same reason that I love Buffalo. And that's that this is a team that has suffered for so long to see them have success is almost kind of exciting and exhilarating just from an objective standpoint, but I don't think Cleveland is there quite yet. They are definitely making progress towards that. I think Cleveland has a team that is built for the future uh, building around the running game and they will obviously continue to improve their defense but I don't think 2020 into the 2021 playoffs uh, we'll see them in the championship game so I'm going to sell it but honestly maybe only for a year real quick before I uh, ask my next question uh, a team that I would buy though outside of you know Buffalo and Kansas City Tennessee look out for them look out for them um, Ryan it's a <laughs> it it's Christmas week. Okay. You know, typically at this point we've had massive summer blockbusters and we've had great Oscar winning movies that are, you know, uh, going to fit into the Oscar picture in February. The Oscars got delayed due to the pandemic, obviously, right? No big summer blockbuster, but Friday we have really the first big blockbuster of the year. Wonder woman, 1984 on HBO max. Hey, you pay 15 bucks, essentially the price of a ticket. And instead of the Disney Plus model where you subscribe and then you pay the 30 bucks for Milan, you pay 15 bucks, subscribe, boom, 
Wonder Woman for 31 days that you can stream it from December 25th to January 26th, whatever that is. You buying or selling stream streaming Wonder Woman for 15 bucks? Maybe not you, but uh, as a consumer, because I know you're not a movie guy. What do you mean, not me in a movie? I don't think I've watched. <laughs> um, this similar to Star Wars, I'm gonna buy it because the the superheroes, whether it be Marvel or DC, whatever that is, you know, on on either side of that, the fandom is very rampant, and and people will will buy into it regardless. They want to see how these movies play out. They want to see how it all connects. Um, you know, again, whatever side it is, people are going to be in on that. So for that, I'm going to buy it. Um, you know, I, I don't know if there's any contention in the world of people saying, oh, this isn't needed or anything like that. But just just from my view of how this works, you can continue making superhero movies for decades upon decades. People are going to watch them because it's part of that universe and they want to see it. So I'm going to buy it because I, I think that it's just, it's just something that's not going away anytime soon. Yeah, I, I promise you, I will be in my 60s or 70s still watching Batman movies with Christian Bale, you know, or the 90th Batman reboot. Like, I will watch the I will watch the Dark Knight anytime it's on. Yeah. You never have to convince. That is one movie that I love, so never have to convince me of that one. Um, I'm buying this with a caveat. We've talked about it. We talked about when the news got dropped that Warner Brothers was pushing all their movies to theatrical and HBO Max the same day, how that's going to change the movie landscape going forward. There, it's been a hot topic since then. It's, been, it's essentially been in every Hollywood story that you can find regarding to a movie going forward because the landscape is changing on Friday. The sample size of what Wonder Woman is going to do, and I'm, you know, like I said, it, it's almost like what's going to happen. Like, how are they going to determine if it's a successful movie or not? Because it, it's almost like they can't go off the box office numbers because they, it opened in China this past weekend. In China, it did $10 million. I mean, you, you can't go off those kind of numbers. Like, because that's not how you make a successful blockbuster movie. And the director, Patty Jenkins, she came out uh, yesterday and said, Look, I will do Wonder Woman 3. I'm very excited. It's a story that I love to tell. But she said, I will not do it if Warner Brothers is going to continue to do the model of HBO Max and theatrical release on the same day. I feel like maybe this is just a temporary thing because if they're getting that kind of pushback from directors like Patty Jenkins and Christopher Nolan, they're going to at some point cave because they want, they want successful movies. They don't want to have directors backing out, working with them on a studio movie just for the simple fact that they're trying to beat Netflix and Disney plus, like that's why they're going to this model, but also in the fact that it's a pandemic and they would rather push the movie out than have it continue to be delayed. And that's why I think on Friday, it's a very big day in the entertainment industry, even though it's Christmas, it, it even has an official streaming time of 9am. So starting at 9am, you can stream whenever, and it, it, it's going to be very interesting. Well, and I think, I think too, I think if you see that these directors are going to back out, I think that that could really change the landscape of it too. We talked about how it could really realistically move to streaming, but if, if directors aren't in, then that's certainly not going to be the case. Okay. Let's move into, let's move into an NBA question here. One of two. So the NBA is back. The Lakers had like four days off and they're, they're back. So it's, it's time. I know you're excited for the Knicks, but uh, I want to, <laughs> sorry to bring your mood down, buddy. 
let's let's talk about another New York basketball team, though. It's time for Kevin Durant to come back. We missed him all last season with his injury. There's a lot of buzz about Kevin Durant as an MVP candidate. Are you buying or selling Kevin Durant as an MVP in the 2020-2021 season? Uh, huge sell, and here's why. Uh, not because I'm a Knicks fan. Uh, we'll see going through the next season how much it actually truly is painful for me to experience a Knicks game, <laughs> even in like second quarters. And I know you're very excited for that. I, I can see it on your face right now. So tr- bring down the excitement, Ryan. Um, but I'm selling it because he's been out for a year and he's playing with Kyrie. And if, if you know anything about Kyrie, I compare Kyrie to um, Dwight Howard. Okay. And I compare him to kind of like the Randy Mosses type Chad Ochocinco type where his personality sometimes doesn't click with locker rooms. And he's a very strange guy. I mean, what in the world was he doing at the TD garden this past Friday, burning sage around the court? I uh, loved it. You did? That- awesome move. I mean, it's so, it's so wild and it doesn't make sense. Those are the moves I'm here for though. Like they could end up being the best team in the East outside of Milwaukee, but you got to have time and you got to have connections with those guys. And you saw it in Miami. Miami heat is a perfect example even though they made it to the finals, what did they not have when they played Dallas that year? They didn't have, you know, the time to develop those super crucial late game situations and big moments. And that's what is going to be telling for Brooklyn, because if they end up playing Milwaukee in the Eastern finals later this spring, I tell you what, man, I think Milwaukee will end up getting to the finals. Cause I think, I think there's something to the fact that KD only has Kyrie and he has Deandre, Maybe it does help KD going forward, though, kind of like it helped LeBron in Cleveland, where he had gotten the championship ring and it got him over the hump and he was able to relax in the postseason. But that it's going to be a real telling sign going forward. Um, and I think I'll sell it for now. I'm going to sell it, too. And I'm, I'm going to sell it because I think there are other very viable MVP candidates. Now, I think that Kevin Durant will at least be in in some discussions. I don't think he'll receive any first place votes. I'm excited to have him back on the court because I think basketball is better when you have all the superstars back on the court competing because that's what people watch and want to see. I mean, you know, as well as anybody, there are people that literally just attach themselves to superstars and follow them around. And, And I mean, if you want to admit to being a LeBron James fan and just following where he goes or Kevin Durant or whomever it may be, that's fine. I think basketball is better when you have those superstars out there because it sells tickets, it puts butts in seats, theoretically, and it's going to make people watch it. But I don't think Kevin Durant's going to have an MVP season coming back. I think it's going to be more of an adjustment at first. I don't think he's going to be scared to do anything. I don't think he's going to be scared to – I mean, his rehab has obviously led him to this point, but I honestly wouldn't be surprised – and this sounds absurd, but I wouldn't be surprised to see LeBron James win it because he's just LeBron James and he is a – freak of nature that we may never see in any sport ever again he's, Wolverine. Uh, he's absurd i mean he's absolutely absurd i know Giannis has won uh, back-to-back years now so there's there's certainly that discussion but kevin durant great season not an mvp candidate i'm gonna sell it last buy or sell story on my side uh the trailer came out today for coming to america two uh the first one came out way back in the 90s um it is a sequel 
And Ryan, I'm asking you really a two-parter in this buy or sell. Buying or selling sequels this delayed because there's also a Top Gun uh, 2 movie coming out uh, that was a sequel to Top Gun. And you also have Ghostbusters that uh, is coming out next summer, which is actually a reboot, but it's kind of a sequel um, in a sense. Are, are we buying or selling sequels slash whatever you want to call them, movies continuing this far apart from each other? Um, you know, from the 90s to the first one to this one coming out next year on Amazon Prime. I mean, it does have Eddie Murphy and Eddie Murphy said um, in an interview uh, recently that he is looking to make a comeback and he's definitely done that. He hosted SNL last year. He said that he would have done a tour going back on standup, which is fabulous because when he does do that, I will go see him because people talk about him as obviously along with the Richard Pryors and the George Carlins and, and those kind of guys as legendary standup. But I don't know if I, I don't know if I want to watch a movie, you know, essentially 20 to 30 years uh, continuing the same story. No, I'm going to sell it. And, and I'm just, I'm, I'm really selling and out on sequels and reboots in general. The, the thing is, is, is we have a great, a great movie, say from the eighties and it doesn't matter what, let's talk about Top Gun just for, just for reference. Great. I've never seen well, coming to America. Top Gun's I, a great movie though. I have seen Top Gun. Good. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for a little bit of credit. One great movie that I have seen. Top Gun is a great movie. It is a fantastic movie. I love that movie. I don't, I don't need to see another one. No, I don't you, need you know to. what happens with Goose and Maverick. Why do we need? Why do we need to see Maverick taking, uh, you know, the the reins, if you will, in the class? Why do we need that? I, I don't. I don't need it. I saw the movie. It was. It was great. It was near flawless. I, I don't need another one. I don't need a sequel. I don't need a reboot. I don't need to see it again. If I wanted to see it, I just watched the old one. Stop trying to change it. It's it's some and some of this stems from my theory too about how I don't like colorizing black and white photos, and I know that that sounds weird, but my point is is there is something and I think about this in terms of sports photos. There is something about seeing an old black and white photo of a Honus Wagner or Babe Ruth back in the 1900s that when you colorize it, I think it loses some of its character. We, we don't we don't need to see that like the film was black and white and that's how it was meant to be seen in that world because we hadn't developed it yet when it comes to movies we saw something great we saw a great top gun movie stop trying to sell it to me in that sense now you could apply that same logic to what i've said about star wars and how they have you know had a thousand spinoffs of certain things but star wars seems to work but when it's with these one-off movies that aren't necessarily meant to be trilogies or have two or three or four, whatever it is, that's when it seems to fall. My theory is, is take movies that sucked in the 80s and the 70s, but might have had an opportunity to be good if they had lower, you know, whether it was lower budgets, poor acting, whatever it is, redo those. Find new stories to make stories about. There's a million stories out there that you could write movies about that we're not doing. And somehow we keep going back to the same things. Come on, Hollywood, get original. Yeah, I'm a huge sell on this because while I do love Eddie Murphy and maybe I watch like 10, 15 minutes or, or whatever, maybe I'm hooked after the 10, 15 minute rule that I give myself. But it, at times I feel like Hollywood's just unoriginal. And like, I'm, I know Eddie Murphy's one of the best comics that I've seen ever. Um, you know, I haven't seen him live, of course, but I've seen a lot of his stuff, Beverly Hills Cop, uh, Norbit, which is not a, not a great movie, but it's, you know, a silly slapstick comedy. Um, but 
like you said, I mean, at some point we have to be original in Hollywood. I mean, Matrix 4 is coming out next year. The Matrix 3 ended in 2003. Why do we need to continue the Matrix story, uh, you know, 18 years after the, you know, 18, 17 years, you know what I'm saying? Like after the third one ended, like those are the kind of things that frustrate me. Like Spider-Man until the one where it's at Marvel right now, um, they did a, a, a reboot twice, twice. Like, like, come on guys. Like, you know, there, there are times though, and, and this is all I'll say where, people will not know that a movie was made in like the sixties or the seventies and it'll be rebooted and it's fantastic. And there are a couple instances of that. A perfect example actually is, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the Bradley Cooper movie, uh, a star is born. That movie had been done three times, three times, one in the 40, one in the sixties, and then in the seventies. And then he rebooted it, you know, a couple years ago and it came out and it it was one of the best movies of the year and it was up for a bunch of Oscars and it won two or three. Like there are times like that where it happens, but those are old movies where people, you and I don't remember them. Like, you know, it happens. And like, those are the kind of things, like I feel like at times Hollywood just continues to recycle because it's a name. You, you did say though, uh, very last point, uh, <laughs> Star Wars where it works because of the spinoffs. I think it works because in scenarios like that in Marvel, where there is such a big universe and so many characters and the fandom is so diehard, people are willing to watch whatever it is put in front of them and criticize it or praise it. And, you know, the, the, that happens as well. So you're trying to tell me that the fandom for coming to America is not as strong as the Star Wars fandom? Mm, <laughs> not, not necessarily. I don't, I don't know uh, too many people that are walking around with uh, Eddie Murphy uh, tattoos from coming to America <laughs> like Boba Fett on, on their uh, right arm here. I'm, I'm, I'm in on that. I totally agree. Uh, all right. So last sports one. Look, one of the biggest superstars, one of the biggest superstars of basketball too is also back. I'm, I'm really in on these superstars that are coming back to basketball. Steph Curry. He's back. Clay Thompson is not back. The West is tough. Are you buying or selling the Warriors as a playoff team in the NBA this year? Huge sell, and here's why. They're going to start the season without Draymond Green. Draymond, right now the game's on behind me. They're playing Brooklyn. Draymond's not on the court. He's not going to be – we'll talk about the Christmas games, a couple of them, not all of them, out of the five on, on the uh, second half before the NFL preview. Um, he's going to be missing uh, the first two, three weeks of the season. Draymond's going to have a bigger role this season. Kelly Oubre is going to have a bigger role. James Wiseman, of course, the rookie that they drafted, that's a huge win for them because especially James, right? Because he can learn from Steph and he can develop good chemistry on and off the court and learn how to be a pro. And that's the kind of things in the NBA that you need to learn how to do from a veteran team. But they, they have so many issues going forward because they have been through the fire over and over and over. Missing Clay for his second year. Last year, you looked at him, they were down. Now, they didn't go to the bubble, but I mean, missing Clay two years in a row, I mean, Clay's one of the best in the league. I mean, he's made a couple of all star games. And I, Phoenix, I know, I know everyone's very hot on them, but Phoenix really is a good team. I mean, they have Devin Booker, they have Chris Paul, they got in that trade, right? They, they have the, uh, the big men that I'm forgetting right now, DeAndre, DeAndre Aiden, excuse me. I, I have to sell it. So I'm going to buy it and I'm going to buy it that they sneak in as an eight seed. 
And the reason I say that is literally because of Steph Curry. So he is a, he is a transcendent superstar. Now he can't do it all on his own. That is going to be completely noted here. He's going to need guys like Oubre and Wiseman to step up, especially in the absence of Draymond Green. But if they can find a way to win a few games early and really mesh this team later down the road, I can see them getting in as a seventh or eighth seed. The West is stacked. The West is always stacked. There's nothing really new to talk about as far as the West being the tougher division in the NBA. But I think the Warriors are back in the playoffs this year. I think it's going to be a little bit of a grind. It always is in the West, but I'm, I'm going to put them in on a low seven or eight seed, uh, maybe even coming down to the last couple of games, sneaking in as an eight um, from, from the nine seed. One team you don't have to ask me if they're going to be a playoff team. Uh, I'll just sell it right now. It's my Knicks. Um, really? Yeah, get, get ready. It's going to be, Ryan, I feel like uh, come February, you're going to be like, hey, you, you need to calm down on your Knicks fandom. Okay, because it, it, it gets rough around February and March because we have no shot at making the playoffs. But that was a great first half. But, Ryan, we have such a great interview for our Christmas week episode. I mean, the interview was supposed to be 15 to 20 minutes, and he gave us 28 to 29. I mean, I, I would have kept talking because we just kept coming up with more questions, and I could have talked to him forever. But – Everyone, this is this is a big one. This is Jonathan Coachman. Uh, Jonathan is an all-around sports guy. He basically has his hand in everything. Um, I remember him actually from his days at the WWE. That's where I first was first ingrained to him. Uh, but an all-around sports guy has a brand new sports betting podcast. This is a fantastic interview. We talk about a little bit of everything sports. The WWE segment at the end is fantastic. So I hope that you guys enjoy the, listening to this as much as we enjoyed recording it. And now our interview with Jonathan Coachman. All right. We now welcome on um, just all kinds of different accolades here. Where do you even want to start? Uh, work with the WWE, work with ESPN, uh, NBC Sports, uh, currently the host of the Early Edge podcast, working for the PGA, uh, still working for the WWE, the coach, Mr. Jonathan Coachman. Thank you for joining the Two Ryan Sports Show this evening. Well, I, I got to be honest with you. I love creativity. I love guys that think outside the box. The last 10 interviews I've turned down, but you guys, you guys got creative and anybody, I'm not going to tell people how you got me to come on because I don't want to ruin it. I don't want everybody doing it that way, but I just give you kudos and uh, I'm excited to be here on your show today for sure. We're going to get a plaque of that made based off of that and just say <laughs> we, we earned the coach's respect on that. 100%. So again, we, we really appreciate you joining us, but I uh, want to hop right into it here, and I'm going to channel your uh, your betting here with the early edge. Uh, so I want to look at college football here, right? So I know it's been a little bit of a crazy year as, as far as the playoff. It, it seems to be every year. But one thing that Ryan and I have talked a lot about on this show is the possibility of Ohio State making the playoff. So when it comes to a, a betting side of this, I guess this is two parts. Um, is Ohio State a lot to make the playoff, even with their small sample size and, and how far can they actually go? Well, I think when you look at it, guys, the fact that the committee would rank Ohio state fourth last night uh, in the latest rankings uh, tells you all you need to know because they've never had, I don't think so anyway, uh, never had rankings where they rank somebody and then they lost and then they moved out. You know what I mean? So if Ohio State's inside the top four and they beat Northwestern, and I think if they beat them soundly, I don't even think they need to beat them by a lot. 
just win on Saturday, you've got to take into effect what you see on the field. I think for the first time ever, the eye test has got to play a factor in what the committee is seeing because you only got five games and now six games that Ohio State is playing. But I think they're one of the four best teams. Uh, if they're going to play uh, Alabama, I don't think that's good for anybody. I think Alabama is probably the best version of Alabama that we've ever seen. When you score 50 points a game on one side and then you're holding teams to whatever 10 on the other, that is lopsided. So I don't really think, honestly, it matters where Ohio State gets in. But what you're not going to see is if Notre Dame and Clemson get in together, they won't play each other in the playoffs. So you're going to have at least Alabama against one of those two and then Ohio State against Notre Dame or Clemson. Because I think both Notre Dame and Clemson are going to get in if, if Clemson beats Notre Dame on Saturday. Do you think it's concerning at all that, and I know this has been talked about and, and it's almost beating a dead horse at this point, but Ohio State only playing six games. Do you think there's any concern that maybe they haven't faced a, a huge test yet? I know Indiana is a great team, but is, is there more variance if you play more games or is six games enough? Well, of course there's more variance. Of course there's more of a chance that they could lose one game and get knocked out. But let's be honest, it's not Ohio State's fault that they only played six games. It's not Ohio State's fault that they didn't start until October. So there was no weeks to wiggle with uh, because they had such bad leadership at the top and decided to cancel early and then public pressure caused them to come back in. And that was the right move to make. So they haven't had multiple weeks like every other power, power five, like SEC, Big 12, to move these games around and allow these teams to play uh, eight, nine, 10 games. So you can't punish them. That's why I think you have to go back to the to the eye test. And also, let's remember that uh, there haven't been a lot of dominant teams. We're not talking about eight teams because there's a big gap between number four uh, and number five, Texas A&M. Texas A&M is not a really good football team, and yet they're ranked number five. So I think of all years to have it this way, there's not going to be a lot of argument on, well, this team should have got in unless you're one of the non-power fives that is undefeated like a – Cincinnati I think they this could have been the year for them but you have to win every game when you're Cincinnati by a lot of points to say I can play with the Alabamas and the Clemsons of the world and they didn't do that yeah sticking with football but switching it to the NFL <clears throat> that game the other night between Baltimore and Cleveland was absolutely the game of the year right but I mean we've talked about it on the show we both believe someone from the AFC is going to win the Super Bowl come February however I personally believe it's not going to be Kansas City. I believe that team up Buffalo uh, down in uh, western New York, they're going to make, uh, make some noise and knock Kansas City out probably in the AFC championship game. But Cleveland, even though they lost the other night, they looked really good. I mean, it, I feel like everyone looks at Kansas City as the top, and then they don't look at the depth through the rest of that conference, whereas the NFC, everything is jumbled. Do you agree that Cleveland and Buffalo might make some serious noise come uh, January? Well, it's a pretty good thing you have a co-host because as of this moment, you are dead to me. I am a diehard Chiefs fan all the way through the blood that goes through my veins, but I'm also objective and this is my job and this is what I do. So I, I respect your take and I'm playing. Um, but to me, it is the Chiefs and everybody else. I, I actually took my son to the Super Bowl last year. I'm that big of a fan. Uh, great ex experience of my life. The problem I see with Kansas City is that they're too comfortable playing from behind. They, they want to flip that switch every single game, and they're going to get bit. One of these times, 
you're going to see the three interceptions and not the touchdowns come. And I just hope they don't learn their lesson in the playoffs. Uh, I love Buffalo. I do a power rankings on my social media show uh, every Tuesday. And I put Buffalo in my top five. To me, the only NFC team that's in the top five is the Packers. Because you can't put the Saints there because Taysom Hill keeps getting exposed. The Eagles exposed him. So to me, the AFC is clearly the better conference when you're talking about the Chiefs. I think the Steelers are banged up, but they're still right there. I think the Browns showed uh, that they can play with anybody. By the way, that may have been the worst bad beat in my betting career because I bought the half point and had Cleveland plus three and a half, and it's almost impossible with seven seconds to go and a team kicking a field goal to lose by five. I mean, impossible, but yet it happened. Uh, But I think the Browns, with the right matchups, I think they can certainly do uh, some damage. But here's the problem, is that Baker Mayfield continues sometimes to feel like his arm is better than it is. And we saw that with a bad interception on Monday night. And if he does that in the playoffs, you can't give away seven or 10 points in a playoff game and expect to win, especially when it looks like you're going to be playing on the road because the Steelers will be the champions of your division. So if you're going to go on the road, you can't do that. And Baker Mayfield needs to understand that. Yet, they will be dangerous. I think Buffalo winning their division, they'll have at least one home game. And it all depends where they finish up. But the Bills are dangerous. They're not a team I want to play if I'm the Chiefs, uh, at least until deep uh, into the playoffs to see if somebody else can knock them off. Did uh, you take uh, Seattle uh, minus six and a half uh, a couple weeks ago during the bad beat there? I bought it down to five and a half. So I was lucky that I didn't get it there. But I feel like there's a bad beat cloud hanging over my head right now. And it's just it's it's just awful. And I guess it's been my my entire betting life. But in my 20s, I bet a lot of money. Now it's about my shows need to do well. So it's not about me losing a lot of money now, but I feel it feels worse because I need my shows to do well. And I need my guys on my shows to do well. Uh, But it always feels like you're on the wrong side of the bad beat. You never hear from people that say, oh, I had Baltimore. I had Baltimore. Like you only hear from people like me that had the Browns. So. Uh, it's betting's a crazy thing. And I tell people all the time, uh, it's money management. Uh, don't bet with your heart. And I still do that sometimes. Uh, but I'm much better about, uh, much smaller bets and betting, uh, money management. All my bets are the same. It's probably a little bit easier to bet with your heart when you're a chiefs fan though, <laughs> even though, well, but well, you would think that, but they don't, they don't like to cover. They didn't, I got screwed on them Sunday. They were up 20 with the ball inside the 20 to go up by 27 late third quarter, and I still lost that bet. They get too lat. I hate the word lackadaisical. I can't even say it. Uh, but it drives me insane because all they care about is winning, which is what NFL teams should do. But I want to win with style. I want to win going away. And when I'm given seven points and you're up 20 late third quarter, you can't cover for me? Come on. But for the most part, when they're motivated – and they want to play, there's nobody better. I think Patrick Mahomes, when it's all said and done, will have the best records across the board of any quarterback. Maybe not Super Bowl wins, we'll see. But everything else, he's going to own by the time he's done. Well, one stat I saw regarding him today, um, I saw it on social media, was his yards per game, where the next closest person, minimum of 40 games, is like 45 yards behind what he's doing on a per-game basis. So Crazy. 
He's Great. he's absolutely the best in the league. Well, I actually want to look look at the Super Bowl here for a second, being that you were there for the Chiefs win. So, number one, were were you ever nervous at a point that you were you know going to be at the Super Bowl watching your team lose? And then, how did you channel that emotion to when they eventually won and, and you were there to see them do it? I don't I don't use my connections uh, that I've accumulated over the years very often uh, because I don't like people to ask me for stuff uh, like WrestleMania tickets or whatever the case is. But I always told my son and I have a daughter who wants I said, listen, if we go, we're going to be there no matter what. The problem was there was only sixty five thousand seats. It was a small stadium and you had two teams that hadn't been to the Super Bowl in a really, really long time. And I, I'm, I'm not even embarrassed to say how I got the tickets, a WWE connection helped me get the tickets because we had WrestleMania at the 49ers stadium two years ago. So we had a guy who does all the WrestleManias and he lives in that city for an entire year to do WrestleMania. So I called him and said, listen, I can't find any tickets. Everything on StubHub is 10 grand a pop. And I'm just not going to spend that kind of money to go to the Super Bowl, especially when I have the hookups or I should based off what I've done. And within 10 minutes, I'm not kidding. Within 10 or 15 minutes, he had me connected with the team. And they had their own ticket master within the team. So I was able to buy two tickets at face value, which was $1,500 each. So I spent three grand. And when I got down there, I was sitting in the 49ers section in all my Chiefs gear and my 10-year-old son in all of his Chiefs gear. So we were a little nervous at the start of the game, but everybody was so nice. Everybody sitting around us was incredibly nice, except for this one idiot who was sitting right in front of us, and he had like a bunch of bling on and a bunch of chains on. He's probably 30, 32, who knows. But he turns around when they go up 20 to 10 in the fourth quarter, and he's like, $9,200 for this seat, worth every dime for an NFL Super Bowl championship. And my son looked at me and he said, Dad, are you going to let him say that? I said, son. It's all about time and place. I said, right now is not the time. And down 10 points is not the place. And so then they scored. They ran the wasp to get it to Tyreek. They score again. And my son's like, are you going to say? I said, no, son. We're only up four. Still a one-score game. And then we had the late touchdown to go up by 11. I said, now is the time that you talk the trash. So I stood up. I said, not $9,200 for this seat. And it was worth every single dime. And that poor guy was sitting down, head in his hands. There was nothing he could say. Plus, he's half my size. What is he going to say to me anyway? Uh, but it was one of the great trash-talking moments in the history of the NFL. And I'm proud to say that I was a part of it. You always talk after the game. You always, always talk after the game. Always. Never during. Anything can happen. But, yes, I was nervous. Even though for the other games that we played in the playoffs, we had trailed by 10 points at least and come back, you never want to rely on that. You never want to sit there and go, oh, we've done this before. We've done this before. And when you can start to say that four or five times, that's a problem. That's something that needs to be fixed. It happened last Sunday in Miami. Andy Reid has never – I love Andy Reid, but he's never had a pulse when it comes to, to timing, uh, uh, clock management. He once had – we were once – this is a true story. We were once down by nine with 10 minutes to go in a game, and he ran an eight-and-a-half-minute drive. Think about that for a second. And that was back when Alex Smith was our quarterback, and I remember screaming at the TV going, are you this bad at clock management that you don't understand we need the ball twice, twice to win this game, not once? And so it still bothers me, but I got my championship. I'm happy, but now I understand 
how Patriot fans are the way that they are. They wanted more. They got greedy. Well, damn it, I'm greedy too. I want more. I'm, I'm glad you brought up uh, winning a championship because I'm an Eagles fan, and I feel like every Sunday this past season I've been – you might as well just give me a beer or something – to you know calm me down during these games because it's like man Carson Wentz looks broken then you got Jalen Hurts coming in this past Sunday and I mean look I think he brings a spark to the team but I don't think there's something there going forward where I see myself uh, as an Eagles fan celebrating a championship or even an NFC conference uh, championship for a long time (laughs) well here's the reason you're not going to do that it's not because of Jalen Hurts I think Jalen Hurts showed that he can play Every place he's ever gone, he's shown that he can play. Alabama, he was good. Oklahoma, he was good. And now that didn't surprise me. Here's why you're not going to have a championship. Because Carson Wentz is owed so much money. And it's going to be, it's going to kill your salary cap. Even if they, and and nobody's going to trade for that salary. What's going to happen is you're going to have to cut him and then pay him the guaranteed money, which is high. And then somebody's going to pick him up like they did Cam Newton for half a million dollars or for a million dollars. You will never reap the benefits of never reap the benefits of benching Carson Wentz the way that Eagles fans think that they will. It's just too difficult the way the finances work. So your take is correct. The reason for it I think is a little bit misguided because I think Jalen Hurts is ultimately going to be a really good quarterback in the NFL. I really do. I have one final question and actually it's kind of a two-parter. Um, look, everyone knows your background with WWE. You could uh, honestly make the argument during your time there around 2002, like the early years, right? 2002, 2003 was the golden year of WWE, uh, as a company because they had just bought out WCW. They had all the creative talent coming in, right? They had all the athletes coming in. You had people like, um, Bruce Pritchard behind the scenes. You had Jim Ross doing executive directing. You had you, uh, doing promos and scripts and stuff like that. I'm a little curious because you did work with the rock so much and I don't realize, you know, until you watch maybe something back, but how fun was it to work with him? I mean, are you getting any cut of his movies uh, now that he's a big famous <laughs> star in uh, Hollywood? So many people have asked me, how come he hasn't put you in one of his movies? And, and the, the, the truth of the matter is that the rock early on, when he started doing movies, he got advice from his agents uh, to basically make, uh, the two things separate, meaning his his movie career would be separate and his WWE career would be separate. Uh, he once had to, for a while, when he got the big tattoo, people don't know this, but he had to sit in the makeup chair for two hours a day getting that covered uh, because they didn't want to show his Samoan roots. And finally, he got to a point, he's like, listen, this is who I am. Nobody's ever going to complain about uh, my tattoo showing up in a movie with this body that I'm on. And he basically said to his agent, screw you, we're going to do this my way. And that's when he started traveling all the weights and all that sort of thing. Now, to your question, I have credited The Rock with any success that I've had at a high level, whether it's doing Sports Center for 10 years, whether it's doing my own radio show, whether it's uh, getting to do the four or five or six different roles that I got to do when I was with the WWE. Because when I was hired in late 1999, And my first time on the air was in January of 2000. And it was with The Rock in Chicago. And I've told the story many, many times, but basically he put me over when he didn't have to put me over. And that's the way The Rock has always been. Does he have a big ego? Yes. There's not a human being 
built like him. He's one of a kind. I tell people all the time, yes, he should have a big ego. He's built differently than we are. He's, he's different. He's special. He is one of those guys that people will be talking about for decades and hundreds of years to come. That's how great he is. His timing, his comedic timing, uh, how he's built, the kind of shape he's in, uh, how he's transformed himself from just a guy who can cut a promo to a legit actor and the blockbuster movies that he's done, uh, the smart business acumen that he has by attaching himself to a lot of franchises that are already successful and then capitalizing coming off of those with Hobbs and Shaw. Everything he does makes sense and everything he does makes money too and now he's got an incredible group around him and would i like to be in one of his movies guys of course i would i mean who wouldn't uh but he's starting to give back now he started like he put he put roman reigns in hobbs and shaw uh but i'm not holding my breath on getting in one of his movies but i will say it was so much fun and i wish everybody could have the experience of being around him as much as i did uh and and not only learning but just looking and being around somebody who's just literally one of a kind. And you're never going to see anybody ever like him in our lifetime. And I'm forever grateful for that. And yeah, I mean, I, I, the best promo, I'll never forget it. I, I was eight years old. I watched you do the Coco Cabana promo with him backstage. Yeah. And that I, I was like, man, I, I'm hooked. And that's why, you know, I started watching the product, but, my hey, hey, real quick, real quick, yeah. true story. The part, a lot of those promos were real. I mean, I was a huge Barry Manilow fan for real. And so that's why we did that. Uh, and because we try to make things as realistic as possible. Nowadays, they try to make up all these different crazy storylines, make it real. And so the week after that promo with The Rock, the touring manager for Barry Manilow reached out to me. They were coming to New York City, Radio City Music Hall. And they left me two tickets at Will Call, and I went to the concert. I went to the concert. It was amazing. And it was because of that promo, and they saw it on TV. That's, that's awesome, man. Uh, I, I can only imagine how excited you were to get that. Oh, it was awesome. Regis, Regis sat in the seat right in front of me. God rest his soul. Uh, Regis Philbin uh, was right in front of me at that concert. That's what I remember the most. I, I know being a – oh, sorry, Ryan. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, just real quick, my, my very last question. Look, you, you did so much traveling, and now, you know, you're doing the podcast, and, you, you, you know, you're doing the betting, you know, and the social media and stuff like that, um, you know, side of things uh, with, with sports. But, look, man, you've traveled everywhere with WWE. Yeah. What is your favorite city? Because I actually think when you guys do those, uh, like, Australian tours, that's probably always fun. You guys go to uh, – you guys did. I, I don't know if they still do, but – you guys used to go to Europe every uh, November uh, before Survivor Series, before coming back. What's the best city you've toured and you'll never forget it? Oh, man, I, th that's the one thing that that if I talk about the WWE that uh, I'm so grateful for. Uh, there were a lot of ups and downs, but the traveling was amazing. And when you're in your 20s, because I started, I was like 22 when I started. And to have somebody else pay for you to travel to Japan and uh, Europe, and we would actually go to Europe twice. You're absolutely right. We would do 10 days in November and 10 days in April, and it was 10 shows in 10 days. And you'd go to the next town, you'd party all night, get up and do the show, and either party all night or drive to the next town. But you never let a night go by where you weren't closing down the bar at the hotel or someplace close to the hotel. But my favorite city in the world, and I've been everywhere, uh, is without a doubt Tokyo, Japan. 
It is a cross between a lot of Americans live there. Uh, there's a huge uh, business center there. Uh, but I love Japanese people. I love how courteous they are. I love the Asian culture. Um, I like how Tokyo is put together where there's Japanese on the street uh, signs and there's also uh, uh, English on the street signs. And if they ask you for an autograph or they ask you for a picture, they will give you a present. And it's normally something small, like uh, they have the best eye drops in the world in Tokyo. And so the Asian culture is if you ask for something, then you must give them something back in return. And believe me, I wish we had that in our culture here, but I've had so much fun in Tokyo and we never went to a nightclub that when we left it, because everything's underground that you walk up the steps, the sun was not out every time we walked out of a nightclub. That's how great the nightlife is in Tokyo, Japan. Uh, and that by far is my, my number one city. And I, I believe Toronto is number two. Noted for whenever we start traveling. So thank you for that. Um, <laughs> sure. One last question for you. So with your time with the WWE, I know one thing that I always valued was the entrances. That was kind of the big deal. That's your time to make an impact. Uh, personally, I always loved the undertakers. That was the one that really got me going. So can you give me an entrance that whenever you're in the arena, you can just feel the, you just feel the electricity of everybody. Who was that superstar or maybe even somebody who was a little bit lower on the, the star ranking who invigorated the crowd? Wow. Uh, that's a great question. Um, well, I'll, I'll answer it a couple of ways. Uh, the way I, I saw it. And then whenever I was actually in the ring, uh, there was, you know, I probably my best night was when we snuck the rock in in 2007 or 2008. And I was in my uh, rivalry with a guy named Eugene and Eugene was trying to make friends with all the big stars and, and he had never met the rock. And I go down to the ring and I yell at him and it's on YouTube. And I'll never, I just tweeted about this maybe two or three days ago that it's another thing I learned from the rock. We were supposed to have 12 minutes. We snuck him in in a limousine. Nobody knew he was there. San Diego, California, an hour from where I'm sitting right now. And so we're going over backstage in a private room. And I said, this feels longer than 12 minutes. And rock looks at me. And again, remember he's only coming back for one night. He's like, coach, what have I always taught you? If it's great, there's nothing Vince is going to say. But if you go over time and it's the shits, oh, you don't want to walk back through that curtain. And he goes, this is going to be great. And it was. And it was kind of the first time that I'd ever talked trash. He comes out, he talks trash to me, and then I was allowed to talk trash back to him. And that was special for somebody like myself. So whenever you heard, if just some map, and you heard that coming, there was nothing like it. The Undertaker at certain points, if you're in the arena, especially at WrestleMania, because they made his entrance so special, because he was WrestleMania. He was the guy that you wanted to see if the streak was going to uh, continue. Probably the most electrifying entrance I've ever seen was Madison Square Garden. It was about a year or it was less than a year after Triple H had torn his quad completely off of his leg and finish the match, one of the toughest human feats I've ever seen in my life. And then we shot video of him rehabbing his thigh. And, and so, sorry, guys. Okay. And so, so we, we shoot him with all these videos about him coming back. So people were hyped. They were pumped. And then it was right at the end of the show, 11 o'clock. People were jonesing. 
Madison Square Garden is a different animal when you're talking about arenas. And when they hit, it's time to play the game. And he came out. Oh, my God. He didn't wrestle. All he did was go to the four corners, blue jeans, his blue jean jacket. His adrenaline was off the charts. I'm literally getting goosebumps talking about it because I remember what it felt like to be in the arena. People lost their minds because they respected him so much. They respected the effort he put in to get back and be healthy after a horrendous in, in injury. Pulling your entire quad muscle off the bone is ridiculous. And I remember that entrance like it was yesterday. It was amazing. Um, but all those guys, whether it's Stone Cold, Triple H, The Rock, The Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, anytime their music hit, man, the fans went bananas. Hey, don't don't uh, sell yourself short. I remember being in the audience uh, hearing your entrance, and I was like, it's the coach. <laughs> it was. I will be honest. The first time I saw my first action figure, and I think they made four or five, uh, it, it got, I got a little emotional because as a kid, you never dream about being in a position. And then the first time they made my first entrance song, they brought me out into the arena. They played the video. My second entrance music is the one that everybody loves so much. Uh, and it's just arrogant. It's cocky. You just want to punch me right in the face when I come out. And that's the best. When the people boo you, that means you're doing something right. Yeah, every show needs a good heel. So we, you know, you have to have that too is in there. But um, coach, again, we really do appreciate you coming on the show and, and taking the time to spend with us this evening. Uh, but as you go about all of your endeavors that you're involved with, uh, continue to stay safe. I hope you, your loved ones, your family, everybody stays safe. Uh, and hopefully we're able to catch up with you soon down the road again. Well, that would be great. Thank you guys for having me on. I wish you guys nothing but the best of luck. Don't take no for an answer. And whatever happens, just have fun doing the show and talking about things that you like to talk about because you never know how long we're going to get to do it. So, so why not just have fun and do it? So I've had a blast uh, talking to you guys. Good questions, really good questions. And maybe we'll do it again in a year. and We'll see uh, where we are both at. How about that? Yeah, absolutely. Sounds great. Hey, again, thank you very much. And we hope you have a great evening. You guys too. Be safe. Take care. Ryan, I tell you what, he was so gracious with his time. Uh, and he was, I mean, he was an amazing interview. Incredible. I actually, and, and I'll admittedly say, I've, I've not watched the WWE, and I think I mentioned it in the better part of a decade, but reminiscing in a sense with Coach about the WWE, WWF was, was fantastic to hear his answers and kind of the behind-the-scenes look. So I, I've said it a million times with all of our interviews, but – I'd talk to coach again. <laughs> we need to get that put on a t-shirt. Um, no, uh, but especially when he talked about how the rock um, really helped his career and, and um, you know, helped him through a, a lot of things as far as like broadcasting wise and helping him get him over. And uh, in wrestling terms, that means basically making the crowd like you. Um, so great interview, but Ryan, we still have a show to do here. I mean, it's a big one, like we talk about. We're going to briefly touch on some of the Christmas NBA slate because Christmas is always like football for Thanksgiving. Uh, whether you're an NBA fan or you're not, there's still good games. You have Golden State and Milwaukee. Uh, 13%, yikes, uh, of America is picking Golden State uh, to, to pull out a victory. Now, look, it's only going to be their second game. You know, it's a 72-game season. Brooklyn, Boston, 
Kimba's going to be out. You have KD, Kyrie, and DeAndre, but you have Tatum and Brown on the other side. And then I tell you what, while Porzingis is going to be out for Dallas, this could be going forward in the West, one of the best matchups of the season. Um, and maybe even a possible playoff way, way early, early uh, playoff preview between Dallas and Lakers, especially the way uh, Luca uh, almost single-handedly <laughs> took out the Clippers, right? You know, with the, uh, the uh, last year in the, in the bubble. Uh, what's your thoughts on the NBA slate plus Clippers nuggets, uh, as you mentioned? Yeah, I mean, all five games on Christmas Day are fantastic. This is a this is a year to tune in. I mean, as as it's not any year on Christmas Day, um, every year is great. But, you know, I said in the first half about Golden State having to win a couple of their games, you know, win some games early and then come back in the back half of the season. It just so happens that their first two games, um, not easy ones. Not easy ones at all to play to play Brooklyn first and then have to go in against Milwaukee uh, and try to take on Giannis man down with Deion or um, not DeAndre Draymond. So it's it's certainly going to be a tough task for them first. Um, so they they may start off a little bit slow, but they can turn it around shortly thereafter. That based on what we're seeing from Brooklyn right now as we're recording this, I. I think that this team could be hot. Now, I understand that Golden State, again, as we talked about, is man down. But I think Brooklyn looks like a good team. Um, Boston's going to have their hands full with them. I think we're really going to see what Brooklyn's made of whenever they play a team that's a contender in the East like Boston is, too. Um, but, man, I I really love Luka. I love Luka. I, there's there's something the MVP this year. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He's one of those MVP candidates. And, and I don't think we touched on him in the, in the buy or sell segment, but he is, he is on that path to win the MVP. He is a fun player to watch. He's must watch television. And if you want must watch television, take potentially one of the five best players in the NBA and Luca, and then maybe one of the best five players, all to, definitely one of the best five players all time, LeBron James as well on Christmas day. And you got a big matchup. But stick around too for the Clippers in Denver. I mean that that's another that's another big game of of two teams. And even the first game, Miami and New Orleans, featuring um, Zion against a, a Finals layover team in the Heat. But man, Christmas Day you got you got a lot of basketball to watch and a couple presents to open too. Yeah, and uh, sticking with the Christmas, we're, let's get into our massive NFL preview because it is a massive, massive week. And I know we said that. Uh, last week or two weeks ago, but I'm telling you guys this week it's crunch time. We got two weeks left and this is the last also NFL week of the season where they do the Saturday night games, but nice little juicy nugget for you sandwiched in all that NBA action at three 30 on Friday during the Christmas day slate of NBA uh, plus wonder woman drops as we talk about and buy or sell. Uh, I don't know how you're going to find time for all that in one day. Maybe you'll have to move some of it around. Minnesota, New Orleans. I mean, let's talk about it, man, because Minnesota, their pass yards, they're only allowing 261 while New Orleans is allowing 228. Those are two great secondaries going up against each other. But Dalvin Cook, he's absolutely one of the best running backs in the league right behind the wrecking ball. 1484 yards on the season, 15 touchdowns. But guess what? You have a guy who you can physically say now you have one of the two best punches in the league because it looks like he's the real deal uh, that playing this consistent weekend, week out, weekend, week out. And Justin Jefferson, 
1,182 yards. I mean, he's going to win offensive rookie of the year. There's no, there's no second, there's no second seven touchdowns. I love this game on Friday because Minnesota, while they're, they're most likely out of the playoff picture and they're definitely sitting on the outside looking in, they could spoil new Orleans chance to really gain some momentum going into the playoffs. Well, my suggestion for how you open up your Christmas day schedule is make sure you watch Christmas story on TBS on the 24-hour marathon, yeah. So do that at like 8 or 10 on Christmas Eve, and then you can just wake up and watch sports all day because we have NFL, we have NBA, we have Patterson from Buffalo against Marshall in the bowl game. So there's there's a lot to pay attention to. We have a lot going on. New Orleans is the better team. That's that's really just that's really just the the half of it is that New Orleans should absolutely win this game and it shouldn't really be overly close. But Minnesota is one of those feisty teams. They, they really learn how to stick around. And I think a lot of that is based on the way they run the football. Teams that run the football can control the clock, control the line of scrimmage, and they're able to win games, maybe not in sexy fashion, but they win games because they're able to do that. And a team that has a 14 and probably going to be a 1,500-yard rusher in Dalvin Cook, that's how you do it. I don't think Kirk Cousins is really known to light up teams. He's not a big, huge numbers guy. But when you have somebody that can manage the game like Kirk Cousins does, coupled with a running back like Dalvin Cook, you might be in for a little bit of a surprise on Christmas. But I'm still giving the nod to New Orleans because I think they are going to step into this game. Sean Payton will have his guys ready to play. And, and this, this is still very much in play for them to get the one seed. Now, things have to happen, but New Orleans absolutely needs this one. Uh, and I think Minnesota is all but about dead in the water when it comes to the playoff picture, unfortunately. Yeah, especially with that loss to Chicago, really put them out of reach. And, and you know, a lot of people thought that was a playoff elimination game because they figured the winner of that game will make the playoffs. I don't think that's the case. I think Chicago is still going to miss the playoffs. But I tell you what, man, we got a triple header on Saturday. On Saturday, we got a triple header. Can you believe it? In one of those games – it's taking place on Amazon Prime, not the Amazon Prime simulcast of NFL Network or whatever. That'll be the second game. So, But Tampa Bay-Detroit, I, I have to ask you, Tampa Bay has won three of five. Brady's thrown 32 touchdowns on the year, 11 picks. We're constantly back and forth on them. Do you think I, – I feel like they're going to get bounced in the first round on wildcard weekend. I feel like there's so much inconsistency and they play Detroit. It should be a win. Do you feel the same way? I feel the same way and that there's a lot of inconsistency. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't feel the same with them, it, especially week to week. It doesn't feel the same with them because it's so back and forth and, you know, they, they win a game that they absolutely should win. You know, I think of the Carolina game a couple of weeks ago that, you know, even might have been seen as a little bit of back and forth. And then they handily pull away with that. And then you say, oh, well, they'll definitely give New Orleans a game. And then New Orleans absolutely left them in the dust is the only way to say it. I'm, I'm worried about them going forward. And I'm worried about them going forward because looking at the playoff picture, If they end up in this six seed, so if the playoffs started today and they ended up in this six seed, they would end up playing the Seahawks. Now, the reason that I, I see that game as a little bit of a worry 
is because I think right now, just based on quarterback play, Tom Brady, obviously one of the greatest of all time, I'm going to take Russell Wilson in a potential shootout. I think he's a better quarterback to do that. And I also think that if, if you've been watching the Seahawks, they're learning how to run the ball too, which makes them extremely more dangerous, that they're really starting to figure that part of their offense out, which has been a, a more lax part of their offense um, since about the Marshawn Lynch prime era, which is about five or six years old. So when you really put all this together, I think Seahawks are starting to look a little bit more dangerous, but the Bucks really need, they really need a little momentum going into the playoffs. I certainly don't write Tom Brady off, but I'm also more nervous for him maybe than in a traditional year that he was with Bill Belichick in New England. Yeah, because we've talked about it before. There are things it seems like, and look, he, he chose to go to Tampa Bay for a reason, but there are things in that offense that it feels like as great as he is with six Super Bowl rings, that it feels like there are things that he doesn't like to do. It's not like when Peyton Manning went to Denver and they catered everything that Peyton likes to do to him. It's Tom Brady went to Tampa and he's having to adjust to what is being put in front of him. And, you know, he, he's going to be a hall of famer, but it's just, it, I, I find them wishwashy. I find them wishwashy. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with them with two weeks left. I, I feel, I, I think they're going to get bounced in the first round. I, I do. Um, San Fran, Arizona, sneaky good game in the middle of Saturday afternoon. Um, the reason being because Arizona, everyone talked about them going, going into the season as a team making the playoffs. I think they're going to slide in at, at the seventh seed over Chicago, but it's not because Chicago's bad and Arizona's better than Chicago. I think there's just – I think Chicago's bad and Arizona is a little bit, little bit better, but still just a bad team. I, I, I think they're, they're one of those teams that benefit from the new playoff format of, I don't think there's seven good teams in the NFC. I think there's maybe five or six. I think they're lucky that the playoff format has been adjusted. And I, I don't know what to feel about Kyler because he, he has 3,637 yards on the season, 26 touchdowns. But once again, that's a team that's wishwashy, right? We've talked about him before. If it wasn't for the Hal Mary, they'd be on a massive losing streak. Right. Right. Well, and so I want to scope this game out a little bit more too. So you talk about him at the seventh seed in the NFC playoffs. And, and I do think that they will be the seventh seed as well. But let's look at this weekend specifically. So obviously we're talking about them playing San Francisco. Now San Francisco has won some games that maybe they shouldn't have. They've, you know, they, they seem to show up occasionally and really put a thorn in some team's sides and certainly division games, anything can happen. Uh, hello, Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. So there is certainly room that San Francisco could win this game. The Bears, they played Jacksonville on Sunday a team vying for the number one pick who doesn't really have any incentive to win anything at this point, if they want to take Trevor Lawrence to be their number one guy from here for maybe the next 10 years. So if Arizona wants to make the playoffs, this game's pivotal to them. You know, we've talked for, we've talked for weeks about must win games and maybe we even overuse that a little bit, but in the scope of it, Arizona has to win this game or if they if they do not 
Chicago is going to be right there knocking on the door in week 17 is absolutely going to matter to them because Chicago theoretically should win this game and win it by a lot. Does Arizona, I think they play Seattle after San Francisco, correct? Let's have a look at the schedule here. So let me go into week 17 here. I got my handy name. I don't have it. Yes. PN app up. So who was your other team? You said the Rams, the Rams. So the Rams actually play. Why can I not find this? The Rams and Cardinals actually play each other and it's Seattle and San Francisco. So the bears play green Bay. So you would have to imagine that it would feel great for green Bay to absolutely eliminate Chicago from the playoffs. But that's what makes the division thing interesting in the last week, right? It's division matchups and everybody that's kind of on the teetering line says, Oh, you know, wouldn't it be nice to knock them out or wouldn't it be nice for them to not have the one seed. So week 17, I feel as if is just more chaos, right? You, you don't really, when we preview this, we'll say that a lot, but week 16, this, this really matters for Arizona because they have to win this game against San Francisco Closing with two straight division games is not an easy thing to do, especially in the NFC West. No, and I, I think whoever makes the seven seed, whether it's Arizona, Chicago, with these last two weeks, it doesn't matter because the, there's not seven good teams, and maybe they can you know surprise with a victory you know wild card weekend. Wild card weekend seems to be where you get more of those surprises than divisional, right? But I, I don't trust them. I, I don't. I also don't. Watching them play Philly this past Sunday, I definitely don't trust their defense. Their defense, the way they were letting Miles and Jalen run on them, while the yards weren't outstanding or astronomical by any means, it was like, okay, guys, like you, you can't, you have to find a balance. And and I, I don't trust them. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't know what it is. I just don't trust them. But. Ending the triple header on Saturday. Can we still be a Vegas podcast, even though they're not going to be? Let's put let's put it on the crystal ball for Ryan's twenty twenty one predictions. Early crystal ball, along with the UNC Miami early ACC championship game of next year. And a um, notepad for your predictions. Yeah, <laughs> we'll, we'll put all these into a soundbite uh, going into uh, the end of next year, but. I don't know, man. Miami, they're a good team. We haven't talked about them, but they beat New England, right? Like, they they played well with Kansas City. We haven't really talked about them much on the podcast. Like, they're 40% on third down this season uh, as far as converting and 25 points per game scoring. They're one of the best offenses. Tua is the classic rookie game manager quarterback. You can't tell me otherwise. That they put him in situations where he does not have to make decisions. Unlike Justin Herbert, who's just slinging it, you know, throw after throw after throw. Tua, they're putting him out there in efficient check down passes, hand the ball off, doing classic rookie 101, 2007, 2008 quarterback stuff. And that's going to be a good game because if Vegas beats Miami, Miami's also most likely going to be sitting on the outside looking in, right? Because Baltimore is right on the heels of trying to fill one of those spots because look, let's be honest, Cleveland, they're a lock. They're, they're, they're a lock unless they have a catastrophic collapse. Tennessee, Tennessee is, is in they're in. I mean, and so you have two out of those spots filled and then it just comes down to Miami and Baltimore. And I, 
I think Miami is going to end up doing it because I don't think I, I don't know if they'll lose to Vegas on Saturday. Now things happen in the NFL every single week, but I mean, look at the Jets, right? They just beat the Rams, and and the Rams were three touchdown point favorites. Like, I, it, it, it's the trickiest game for me for the weekend because if Miami loses, their playoffs hinge on Baltimore losing on Sunday, essentially. Because then going into week 17, it's win or lose for both teams with, you know, obviously scenarios that need to happen for that as well. But I, I, it, it's the trickiest game of the weekend. Well, and going into week 17, Baltimore plays Cincinnati. And we've obviously seen that Cincinnati can beat playoff teams. But I think Baltimore, knowing that their playoff life is on the line, will certainly win that game. I think we can still be a Vegas podcast, but also, Ryan, I think we need to admit our fault uh, and that we might have been a little overzealous on Vegas this year. Yeah. They, they just couldn't put it together down the stretch. Did, did maybe the Kansas City win get us really hyped up and think that they could really do it? Had to be. Had to be. That, that feels like, a, that feels like a, a starting point that we should really, you know, maybe, maybe walk back towards. But crystal ball, maybe the Raiders will be back in 21. Who knows? But I think the biggest difference when, when you look at that, you, you mentioned about Justin Herbert and the, and the Tua comparison. I think the biggest reason that, that it's so different is head coaches. Brian Flores has built a culture around that team and has really honed those guys in. I don't think anybody thought that this team would be as successful as they are um, basically coming into the season. Now, I think that they had an, an understanding that they would draft a quarterback uh, and would likely be Tua Tagovailoa, but this is a team that the first so many weeks of the season uh, they were quarterbacked by Ryan Fitzpatrick, the the classic backup quarterback that you know the bad teams seem to have and say, oh well, he's he's the rebuilding guy. You know, we're we're going to rebuild after we can get Ryan Fitzpatrick out of here. Miami's in a playoff spot right now. I don't, I don't necessarily think as if that's a bad thing. I think that Brian Flores has built a culture around that team that will be successful moving forward. And, and sure, I'm not trying to make the argument that Ryan Fitzpatrick is a start over Tua, but I, I think when you're talking about playoff lives on the line, this is one of those tricky games because think of Baltimore's last two games where they're playing the New York football giants who still have a playoff pulse, certainly, uh, but are a little bit more dead in the water. But Miami, Miami's going to have to win this game because I'm not sure of any of the teams in the AFC right now, and we've talked about a lot of them. I'm not sure I'd want to play Baltimore either. No, uh, sticking with the AFC, moving along, uh, real quick about your Baltimore point, I, it's going to be tricky for them because, like you said, they have Cincinnati, and but – Sticking with the AFC playoff picture, look, Indy's in Indy's in the thick of things too. Indy plays Pittsburgh this week. That's a that's a big game, and and Pittsburgh's lost three in a row. And and look, I know you're a Steelers fan, and and <laughs> this has obviously <laughs> been a big show, football heavy, and we're always a football heavy podcast anyway. But 88 yards rushing per game. That's one of the worst in the league. And that's been one of the worst in the league for actually a couple of years back. I, uh, I think the last time uh, a team did not do that well, rushing the ball was the Colts now in 06. Now look, things happen different for them, but I'm not comparing Pittsburgh to the 06 Colts. 
they, they have to get on a historic hot run with Big Ben. But Indy, we haven't talked about them either, and we keep underestimating them. I think me and you, and and probably more more me than you, really, because they did lose to Tennessee, but they've won four or five, and they're allowing twenty two points per game. Pittsburgh averages twenty six. I think it could go either way. Pittsburgh needs the game to keep their season alive because if they don't next week against Cleveland, we've talked about it already. It could be a flex into a Sunday night matchup. That could be one of the biggest Cleveland's had in at least 20 to 30 years. Indianapolis has been playing for either the division title or approximately about the sixth seed all season. So Indianapolis has been in, in this thick where you say, yeah, they're probably going to make it right. This free fall from Pittsburgh has had people basically saying the Pittsburgh Steelers can be the number one seed, beat Kansas City, and all of a sudden we're talking about the implications of them potentially being a wild card team and losing the division to the Cleveland Browns. That's what this three-game stretch has done to them. They've lost to the football team. They have lost now to the Bengals. And certainly the Bills on Sunday Night Football last week. But it's not great right now in Pittsburgh. And you mentioned the run game. But as, you know, as football guys, we understand the the run game starts up front. And the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive line right now is not great. It's atrocious. It is not great. Um, You know, last night, a couple different times, I I noticed one of our backup offensive linemen, J.C. Hassenhauer, pulling – and, and trying to make him be the kick block in the formation and, you know, fumbling the ball and throwing intercepts. I mean, where do you want to start with the bad things? You know, I, I hate to, I hate to keep picking against Pittsburgh in an objective sense, but did, did you know that Pittsburgh is a playoff team? Those last three games, did you know that Pittsburgh was a playoff team that they actually were in the playoffs? Because you would kind of think that they were just, maybe, you know, limping into the playoffs and saying, oh, we don't need it. We're in the playoffs. It's kind of, it's not kind of frustrating as a fan. It's very frustrating. Indianapolis is, is great right now though. And, and Indianapolis's defense is, is kind of underrated. And I think we don't give them enough credit overall. Uh, I think it'll be a, a good game. I think one of the things that uh, can help this out a little bit, and it sounds dumb is weather. Uh, teams that traditionally play in a more covered arena, I don't always pick an outside game so that it's in Heinz Field. It may be a little bit different, but I expect Indianapolis to come to play. Um, but a, a matchup of 2004 drafted quarterbacks. Think about that in week 16. That, that means something to the playoff picture. Yeah, and uh, Philip Rivers is going to be down one score on Sunday uh, around 4 o'clock with uh, a minute left to go and, you know, trying to drive and loses at the 22-yard line. I mean, the poor guy. Don't give me hope, Pee-wee. <laughs> um, sticking with a massive, massive NFL slate, uh, Carolina, look, they're, they're, they're not a good team, and they're going to be in the top 10 of the draft picks uh, come spring. But Washington, this is huge for them. Washington needs this game. Uh, to to essentially, let's be honest, wrap up the NFC East. I mean, if they win Sunday, it essentially almost, but certainly will we'll wrap up the NFC East. Uh, but Antonio Gibson's questionable. And, and look, man, we've already talked about Dwayne. I, I don't trust him. 
I, I don't trust that they can come out of this on Sunday with a victory against Carolina. Their defensive line, though, is ferocious. And we've had people on from the NFL talking about their defensive line. It is the best in the league. There's not a, there's not a 1A, there's not a 1B, there's not a 1C. There's not even, like, the second in the league is a distant second. And Chase Young, that guy, you want to talk about someone who's definitely going to win a rookie of the year on their side of the ball, Justin Jefferson on offense, but Chase Young on defense. There's no one been more impactful than that guy I've seen in one season, probably since Miles Garrett. I mean, Max Crosby last year and Josh Jacobs had phenomenal rookie years, but they, they were impactful, but not as impactful as essentially being on the field changes the game. I mean, the, the guy had the scoop and score against, you know, San Francisco, I don't trust Wayne though. I don't. And, and I think, I think they could end up slipping here and having a possible potential showdown with Philly next week as if Philly beats Dallas. And we'll talk about it here in a moment. That could be a big week 17 matchup as well. You know, it's funny because, and again, we'll get to the Dallas game, but right when Dak Prescott got hurt, everybody thought Dallas was dead anyway. And, and Dallas could win the division. I mean, that's, that's, that's 2020. We've said it uh, again. We've said it a lot of times, but that's just 2020. But I think the reason that I that I may still pick Washington in this game is, is the football team is they're not spiraling by any account. You know, they they've won get they obviously beat Pittsburgh and they beat San Francisco and and the the Seattle game is certainly tough. But I think the reason that I may pick them to still win this game is, is I am not a huge trust in Carolina's offense yet. I think Teddy Bridgewater is a fine quarterback and I think he may end up finding himself starting there in the future too, but I'm going to pick Washington's defense in a, in a one kind of a one-on-one matchup against Carolina. I think Washington's defense could even score again, you know, a couple of times to really help them out and, and kind of put them in field goal range, maybe for a late field goal or something to make it a 13, seven game or something along those lines. But I'm, I'm going to go with Washington in this game, and that's only because I, I just don't think Carolina is quite there yet. Um, certainly not this year. Then, And, you know, there was thoughts that maybe they could sneak into the playoffs of, you know, five or six weeks back, but it's obviously not the year. Give me Washington and give me Washington because of that defense, not because of, uh, you know, going to strip clubs, mask us after a loss against Seattle. Yeah, Jamarcus Russell 2.0 over there in Washington. I don't know what that guy is doing. Uh, he's definitely not studying a playbook, but it's a shame what he's doing because he keeps acting like this. He's not going to get a second chance. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I don't, I don't think he will, and I'm pretty sure you're in that boat as well. Yeah. Um, sticking with the NFC East, we just mentioned it, but we have to talk about it. Philly-Dallas, because it's an important matchup somehow at 425 on Sunday because – Whatever happens, Washington, Carolina, that that's important. But if Philly, Dallas, whoever comes out of that win, especially Philly, if Philly comes out with a win and Washington comes out with a win, week 17 could be a little interesting, um, even if Washington, especially if Washington loses, because next week it could be Philly, Washington, if they lose to Carolina on Sunday for the division because of a tie, because of a tie. It's 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 insane to say. Um Hurts 55% completion percentage on the year. Look, he doesn't have many stats, right? He's only been starting for two weeks. The guy's only been starting for two weeks. But he's given the spark that the team needs going into an offseason, no matter what happens with the last two weeks of the season. Um, I like him, man. I like him. Dallas, 
gave San Francisco a game, but San Francisco kind of plays down to their opponents this year, especially, and we don't know what's going to happen with San Francisco going forward. Anyway, they seem like they definitely had the Super Bowl hangover. I, I like Philly to come out of that because I feel like what Philly has found in Jalen hurts has given them a super extra dimensional on running the ball with miles Sanders and Jalen hurts, as far as an option package, kind of, kind of a la Michael Vick, LaShawn McCoy, like, look, those guys were all pros and, and spectacular. But what I'm saying is in comparison, it, it gives the extra dimension that a team like Philly needs. Yeah. Well, and I think in this day's NFL, you need that second dimension. And I think that's why you see a lot of these teams uh, that are closer to the top of the playoffs have that. Now, certainly I, I'm not going to peg Aaron Rodgers as a running quarterback, but I digress. But uh, looking at this game, you know, if Philly wins the division, they're going to win it at six, nine and one, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's something that is, that is something. Right. You know, you talk about us looking back and then making America's, you know, uh, like last dance sequels, basically, of teams. Yeah. No one's going to talk about 2020 in the NFC East. No, it'll be a, it'll be a cliff note at the end of like some research paper for a college kid 20 years from now. Yeah, no one's going to talk about this division in 20, 30 years. But I actually like Philly in this game, too. And and you've already kind of mentioned the reason. And, and I think it's pretty obvious is is Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has really kind of came in and been dynamic for them. And, and now I, I understand that they lost to Arizona last week, but Jalen Hurts has provided that spark. And when you're talking about a guy who is, is, is still managing the game in some sense, but is also dynamic enough to take it over when needed, that's kind of what I see Jalen Hurts as. And, and again, I said it in the first half, I didn't peg him to be this good of a quarterback coming out of college. I wouldn't have had the confidence in him to start and to do this, but He's obviously better than my whatever lowly prediction I'm making in, you know, my mind. But Jalen Hurts has really proved to be Philly's guy. And I think, you know, barring anything crazy, it will be going in next year, too. And I think he beats Dallas going in Sunday, too. Now, if Carolina does upset Washington, you got a lot to look forward to in week 17. But flex Dallas, game. Yeah, flex game. Flex game for the NFC East. Uh, but the other side of this, though, just real quick, is that Dallas hasn't been playing bad either. And, and Andy Dalton has kind of came back with a little bit of a, a little bit of a fire. Now, I, I don't think this is going to be, um, you know, I think about it in terms of who would look better in the playoffs. And I think if Dallas went into the playoffs, they would get smoked, whoever they played. But I would actually give Washington or Philadelphia a better chance in a first round wildcard weekend than I would Dallas. But Dallas is still right there on the cusp, too. Yeah, I, uh, I really hope for a flex game because that's all I want at the end of the year is a flex game. I mean, it happened last year. I just want a flex game. Give me it. Uh, Seattle, L.A. I don't know what to think about this game. It could be it could be the best game of the weekend as far as exciting to watch. Seattle coming off a tough win in Washington, which is, <laughs> you know, the, the score 20 to 15. But I mean, they were up 20 nothing, you know, going into the, the fourth um Russ 37 touchdowns 13 picks on the year and we've already talked about DK I mean do we need to keep doing it I mean he, the guy is just ridiculous 1,223 yards though 10 touchdowns Seattle's won four or five LA's won three of five one of those losses being uh you know sorry to the Jets but I think LA bounces back I think LA gets the win against Seattle because of losing to the Jets now I mean it 
it could be the best game on Sunday, could be the best game of the weekend. I'm really looking forward to that matchup on Sunday. This is a game that I feel like it almost doesn't matter who you pick. It very well could just be the opposite team. This is one of those games that it's almost a 50-50 coin flip when you talk about two very talented teams in the NFC West, especially with Seattle, who's notable for playing shootouts and wild games anyway. But LA, who's also started to come into their own now, albeit they lost to a historically terrible team in the Jets last week. I think that's just a fluke. I don't think that's a reflection of how bad Los Angeles actually is. I don't think it reflects their season at all. But this is this is going to I think this is going to be a shootout type game. I think you might see this game at like a 35-28 or maybe even a, a 38-35, 38-31 type game. It's going to be a little bit of a high scoring game. Uh, and we talked about it a little bit earlier, but as Seattle has been able to run the ball, you know who's not easy to run the ball one? Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald's not easy to run the ball one. He's not easy to account for on the defensive line. So he's certainly going to be in, in the backfield in some capacity, whatever that may be. But I, I'm not even sure I can give a, a great prediction on this game. Honestly, if you just handed me a quarter right now and said flip it up, heads one, tails the other, I would just take whoever it landed on because this is this is one of those wild games every time it's played. Yeah, and to tell you the truth, I hope it's a playoff preview because mm -hmm. I feel like these two teams can actually somehow find their way meeting in the playoffs perhaps if things fall right because – both of them are really good. I mean, I feel like LA's really found their groove. You know, last year they had the year of the Super Bowl hangover, right? And things didn't click for them for whatever reason. But Seattle, don't be surprised. I mean, Green Bay, we're going to talk about that game here in a moment. But don't be surprised if Seattle is the one sitting in Tampa for the Super Bowl this year. They are dangerous. They are fun to watch. Their defense is good. But Ryan, wrapping up our massive NFL preview, it's Green Bay-Tampa. And it's a Sunday night matchup, Sunday night football. I'm going to read you some interesting keynotes about the game. Tennessee has won four or five. Green Bay, four or five. Both teams average 31 points per game. Aaron Rodgers, though, is he could win the MVP. He has 40 touchdowns, four picks on the season, 3,828 passing yards. And Ryan Tannehill, he is the guy. He is the guy that Miami thought he could be and something happened when he got shipped to Tennessee that boom it clicked and he is the man over there in Nashville 31 touchdowns five picks 3,482 yards but the wrecking ball we we talk about the wrecking ball all the time and how can we not he's one of the best players in the league he could break he could it's a very long shot he could though break the 2000 rush yard mark that we have not seen since Chris Johnson in 2009. He has 1679 on the season, 15 touchdowns. I love this game. I'm very excited for it. I know I talked about Seattle LA as possibly being the best game of the weekend. Whatever happens after the weekend, when we get to Sunday night football, that game deserves to be front and center because it is by far a huge matchup. Green Bay, has control of the driver's seat, right, of the one seat. You have Tennessee sitting in the wild card scenario in the AFC. I love this matchup from top to bottom. Give me your thoughts. So I would like to do something that's maybe a little out of character here. Let's throw in another little buy or sell here real quick. Bonus buy or sell, if you will. 
does Derrick Henry get to 2,000 yards? So right now he currently sits at, sits at 1679 uh, playing the Packers this week and then moving into their final week, they will be playing, as my screen loads here, the Texans. So can he eclipse that 300-plus yard mark to get to 2,000? Yeah, it's a huge long shot, right? We haven't seen it done since Chris Johnson in 2009. Uh, well, AP actually, Adrian Peterson, uh, yeah, AP, had the two thousand yard year. Like it's it's so rare, but he's so good, and and it's not like it's hard for him to get the yards. He just he can take three or four guys in the box and bust it for forty five. Uh, you know, through the line of scrimmage. I I don't know. I think it's a sell. I think it's a huge long shot. I'd be happy if he did it though. I'm buying it and I'm buying it because 2000 yard rushers are actually probably my favorite thing to see in the NFL. I thought it was 5,000 yard passers, but that seems to not really matter as much anymore. So I love 2000 yard rushers and I'm buying it just out of my own personal, personal selfishness of, I want to see him run for 2000 yards. Now the game itself, thank you for uh, joining in in the little bonus by yourself segment there. Uh, the game itself, the big issue is, and we saw this a couple of weeks ago, is Tennessee's pass defense. When you are playing against a guy that is as lethal and as electric, as dominant as Aaron Rodgers is, you cannot afford to have that lack in your secondary. And unfortunately, the Tennessee Titans do. Now, we've seen where they can come back from that deficit and be competitive. Obviously, the Cleveland game, they came back. But again, as we mentioned, it did not it did not really feel as competitive as it really looked on paper. I'm taking Green Bay in this one, and I'm taking Green Bay because of Aaron Rodgers. I think if you manage the game, you can do it the right way with, with Derrick Henry, and he's certainly the guy to do it. But I think whenever you just look at it from a, from a matchup perspective, it is way, way too tough for a defense that struggles in the past rankings to play against somebody like Aaron Rodgers. In fact, I have stats pulled up here too. And, and since I, you know, love doing the stats here for, for defense, well, I thought I did, never mind. But regardless, um, Tennessee's defense is just lax right now. And I think whenever you're talking about a defense that has to play against a superstar like that, um, they are. 29th in the league in past defense. block was popping up again, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, everything's going – it took me to offense. You know, I'm trying to use ESPN to, you know, give them a little bit of – give them a little bit of hits here on the on the screen. And then, I, you know, I'm getting ads, and it's taking me to different pages. I'm just an ad blocker, man. We got to – Yeah, it's I, – I don't know what's going – anyway, <laughs> the ads – the ads are – and I are going to fight over Christmas. That's a different story, but give me green Bay over Tennessee. I think it'll be a fun game to watch any game where you get to watch players like Aaron Rodgers and Derrick Henry. Awesome matchup. But I think Tennessee's defense is going to give up way too much to win this game. Yeah. I, and if you have Christmas dinner, try to save some of those leftovers for Sunday night, not Sunday slate, but Sunday night or maybe even try to get some wings because that game Sunday night football is truly, truly a great game. Uh, definitely, definitely a, a better game scheduled than the Cleveland uh, Giants game from last Sunday. But Ryan, I mean, wow, what a packed show we had. We had a lot, but I mean, we're, we're not stopping. We're back to our normal schedule. 
uh, next week. But where can the people find us? Where can they listen to us? Well, first, if you're going to listen to us, find us on Apple and Spotify. And leave I know many, um, yes, leave a rating. Please leave a rating. That's, that's what's going to help build this show more. And if you love this show, uh, leaving a rating is so simple just to drop a five-star thing in there. Just to just log on, just scroll to the bottom there. You'll see where it says leave a rating. Just hit the five stars. You're done. That's all you have to do. It's easy. It helps us out. Um, and then that means we can continue to have great guests and great segments. So please be sure to do that. Help us out that way. But also, too, that's where you're going to find the episodes and subscribe to us and leave a rating. I'm going to keep saying leave a rating. But also find us on social media. So we are on Instagram. We are on Twitter, we are on Facebook, and we are on TikTok. Now, my other ploy to you, and and also in, in conjunction with, I guess is the best way to say it, leave a rating, but also follow us on TikTok because we're only four away from 100 followers on TikTok. Uh, we're certainly not quite as close to Charlie DM, whatever her name is, uh, with 100 million. We're, we're inching towards her at 100 million followers. But if we could get 100 before Christmas, that'd be fantastic. So uh, follow us on TikTok for some updates too. But social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, follow us there. Leave a rating, leave a rating, leave a rating. And Ryan, while everyone else is going to be taking vacation next week, we're going to be back here, normal schedule, Tuesday and Friday episodes. And I tell you what, guys, when we, we keep getting good interviews and we keep getting good guests, but you are not prepared for the guest that is going to air on Tuesday episode. We have one of the most amazing interviews we have ever done in, in doing this, and we're going to continue to get good guests for you, but it was truly incredible. Uh, I love the guests we're getting, but next Tuesday is truly fantastic, and so is Friday. We got some big shows coming up for everybody, and on top of the guests, also sports because NBA is going to be in fuller swing by then. We're going to be getting to a little bit of almost hockey's coming back. We got college football playoff, NFL playoff. Oh, what a time to be a sports fan. I love the new year. Yeah, and Ryan, we'll see everyone next week. We'll see everybody next week.